Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Once again, fellow basement dwellers, to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. I am your host, Patrick O'Dowd, sitting here with the finest panel of fellow nerds one guy could ask for. That's right, David Ungar, DPP, Dan. I don't know your damn last name, so it will just be Dan. And PC Tunney. Gentlemen, how are you? Good. <laughs> Man, I the only way I'd be doing better is if I had a Lysol enema going on right now, guys. That is uh, the only way. We're not, we're not talking politics today. <laughs> that's we're not, not politics, that's politics. stupidity. But anyway, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Beautiful. My <laughs> legs are tired. Yeah, you got to you got to leave the house and do some like fun activity, huh? Yeah, it was great. Got to meet three buddies up. I had a good time golfing, got some really nice weather. It was about 48 when we teed off, 47, maybe yeah. 5, 10 mile an hour wind. And by the time when we left, it was 58, 59. So sun was out. 
I literally had my long sleeve Under Armour and a polo on over it. That's it. And it, it, very, it felt very great. Cool. It felt great to be out and about. So right, yeah, and and be, I asked you with this. Friends. I asked you this before we went on the air, but uh, just kind of talk to us about like sort of what it was like. A lot of folks out there now did. Was this something that's always been open in Wisconsin, or did it get reopened? It got reopened. Um, got reopened Friday. So where I went, you had to, when you got there, you had to call the clubhouse to pay, let them know you were there. No one was allowed in the clubhouse. The guy was in there over the loudspeaker telling people when to go off. People weren't really congregating. Uh, I was the third group off in the morning. And by the time I hit the turn, the parking lot was full. When I left, the parking lot was full. But still, there weren't groups of people hanging out, right? It was just you and the people you decided to golf with. And that's kind of how the golf course is anyway. So kudos to them. Uh, here's the other thing they did is they filled the holes. So instead of leaving the cup up on the hole, they have a little styrofoam piece that fills in the hole. And it basically sits like an eighth of an inch below where the cup would be. So you could tell if the ball would have dipped down into the cup, but it never goes in. So no one has to touch the pin. The pin never comes out. No one touches the hole. You only touch your ball. Huh. Interesting. So, and that's deep enough that it would prevent any sort of like. Well, what happens is. No, no. If, if you hit the flag stick, no matter where you are, it's in the hole when you have that circumstance. And when you're putting, you just watch. If it goes over that part of the hole, no matter what, it's in. Oh, Whether it settles in there or not. Because even putts that would drain right in nice and soft still don't sit in that little divot. Right. So how'd you shoot? I didn't. I was my... Yeah, <laughs> why did you ask me? Uh, my buddy shot really... My buddy shot really well. He shot 77. My other buddy, Bob, shot 79. My other buddy, Gary, shot 80. And I shot about 85. A gentleman's 85. We'll call it a gentleman's 85. I had a bad back nine. Bad back. Oh, that happens to the best of us. But, why, uh, why, why would they fill in the holes, the cups, like that? So you don't have, so you don't they have don't to want everybody it. reaching into the same cup uh, with the hand, grabbing it. They don't want you all touching the flag stick. Right. It makes other, a lot of other, like I get it. Other places what they're doing is they're putting a cup in with the flag stick, but in the cup is actually maybe six inches, eight inches deep into the ground, and they're leaving the top two inches up so the ball can't go in. Oh nice. So that's that's cool. I, and you know, I think that uh, we I was again we were talking about this before we went on the show. We I you know, I don't live there anymore, but I saw that Illinois, the state of Illinois is reopening golf courses as well. And I guess of all the like sort of leisure activities that you could do, uh, golf makes a lot of sense, especially if you have like all your own equipment, you know, you're not renting really anything. You said for most circumstances, I think off, off air, you said that golf carts were you're, you're on foot. You're talking about your legs being tired and stuff like that. So, um, it's good. I know that that's something I bet you it was pretty busy out there. Lots of people are probably taking advantage of that with that opportunity. Golf and, uh, you know, golf and cross-country skiing, probably pretty safe activities right now. <laughs> right, right, right. No no, no carts. You couldn't take a riding cart, but they did have um, full carts you could take if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I used to run my own shoes when I went golfing, like we do for bowling, but I you know, just can't do that anymore, I guess, right? Wait, wait is, that a, is that a thing, or are you joking? No, he's being a jerk. Because <laughs> I, I, I know about... nothing about golf, so, like, sure, yeah. maybe you can run your own shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you can rent you can rent clubs at some place. You can rent clubs. Really play, right. or if you're out of town, but yeah, you bring your own shoes. <laughs> Shows yeah, what I, I heard know. Bowling, I heard bowling alleys were open too, like in uh, Georgia and stuff like that, which really uh, seems kind of odd because 
yeah, you're renting everything and putting fingers and bowling balls that everybody else has touched. And yeah, I usually have to finger my own balls. You said, said, yeah, I knew you were going there. You said Georgia, right? I'll have to ask Platt on Wednesday if he went and fingered some balls. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a, I had a near, uh, we almost didn't have a podcast or at least we didn't have a podcast with me on it this week. I had a, I had an interesting, I don't even know what happened this weekend, but if, I am struggling with connection and sound or things. That is because I'm using a computer. I purchased a laptop. I purchased in I think 2008. I want to say. Um, I woke up yesterday morning uh, after doing the kid and I, uh, the little O'Dowd and I, do a sleepover every every Friday night. And so we finished the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy, the original trilogy, uh, yesterday or uh, Friday. And I'm looking the, at the my good, laptop. The good parts of the series. No, he watched the yeah the first three. Yeah, right. uh, I haven't I haven't watched anything after at World's End, and I didn't even think at World's End is that great, but because it's just confusing as hell. There's just too much going on. But I woke up and I charged the laptop overnight. Like that's usually what I do: charge the laptop overnight, see what's going on. So I flip on the laptop, and cable's plugged in, but it's not registering that there's a cable plugged in and a battery charging. And I was like, oh, dears, what's going on? So do the do all the normal stuff. Like I shut down the laptop, shut it back, you know, turn it back on. Still not registering. I unplug it, plug it back in. It briefly shows that it's plugged in, but then goes away again. Well, I'm like, well, crap. So I do do a power check, start looking through this. Turns out it, it appears that I have a bad AC adapter slash cable. So the laptop wasn't registering. It wasn't charging the battery. And so I progressively watched all day yesterday. My laptop slowly eat itself as I tried to figure out, well, the battery kind of wear itself down and eventually found a way that I could power it up, but it pissed off the laptop because it was, I had a a Hewlett Packard brand cable for my Dell laptop and the laptop was just like, we're not going to perform optimally because this isn't a Dell AC adapter. So screw you. Um, And so fortunately I had this old thing lying around, which the whole reason that, I replaced this one it's because the battery, the the laptop's ability to read that there's a battery and run off of it has no longer works. And so the only way this laptop works is if it's plugged into a wall. So if I get unplugged in any way, shape or form, you lose me and, and I have to reboot everything and come back. And I haven't used this laptop in well over six to eight months so it downloaded for most of the day yesterday all of its updates and then did some again today. And that was that was basically my my excuse for doing nothing this weekend was getting some sort of computer and laptop back. Uh, thankfully, here we are uh, and I'm back and I keep trying to share my screen with you all as I go full screen with Skype uh, to keep track of it. But we are here. It's Sunday. We're got a little bit of a different agenda of course we're all going to cover lock and key like we always do we're up to episode eight tony's favorite episode so i'm looking forward to hearing a lot out of tony about episode eight and and he was golfing so he didn't rewatch it is apparently what i'm catching from that after he spoke up so highly of it last week um, okay once we, we're done talking episode eight he's gonna say episode nine was his favorite so right there you that's go that's what he did last week too <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Now, 
we um we're gonna go back for the first time in a long time, I guess, since some social distancing restrictions have happened. We're gonna go back to the trailer park, talk about a couple of trailers that we chatted about a little bit in the bandwagon nerds chat. Uh, and then we're gonna take the first of what will be two breaks today so that we can get the first ever bandwagon nerds guest. Uh, and I talked about this last week, but we have somebody who actually works in the video game industry coming on uh, old friend of mine uh, Morgan Fryer uh, looking forward to talking to her picking her brain a little bit about what she does in the video game industry and uh, just have a little bit of fun do something different before we go into the basically we're going to get over the hump over the halfway point in the video game project as week three goes underway today we do our 31 through or I'm sorry our 30 or 30 to 21 30 to 21 yes i my brain i you know i got i've been drinking scotch it's sunday the draft scotch 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 down into my belly watch the nfl draft and want to fire ryan pace um that's that's been my weekend (laughs) everybody's just like no no comment don't don't talk to me about the draft well, I don't want to go to. Oh, are you are you hurting hey, over that that Packer pick, Tony? How do I got to ask? I got to ask you, Tony. How do you feel about two guys from this town right here, Bakersfield, California, being the cornerstone of the Green Bay Packers for the next ten years? I didn't realize that when we got this new coach, he's going to try and literally turn us into the Tennessee Titans. Like, I don't. I'm not a fan of short tight ends. I'm not a fan of gigantic running backs. Uh, yeah, I liked the Jordan Love pick, and I hated the rest of the fucking picks. Go out and get me a fucking wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers, you dumb cocksuckers. <laughs> oh, sorry. Funny, just need to get that funny, off my if, it, if it makes you feel better, our GM, who's on the hot seat trying to protect his job, doesn't have a pick in the first round, and for his first pick in the second round, drafts a tight end, tight end from Notre Dame, giving the Bears 10 tight ends on their roster, including... $8 million that were spent on free agent Jimmy Graham in front of this draft pick. So we all got some angst. We all got issues. I'm but, fine with my draft. The Redskins did quite well. Quite Who well. did they get? Who, oh, you got Chase Young. They got Chase Young, yeah, and they got um, that uh, one wide receiver from Liberty who everybody was saying was a steal. I forget his name. Liberty. Liberty. What if I came out of the water? <laughs> so. Liberty Biberty. Liberty, Liberty, yeah, I love those commercials. Yeah, I, I think the, the the Dolphins and the Ravens, those are the two kind of winners of the draft, but that's neither here nor there. Let's get into Lock and Key Episode 8. Secrets were revealed. Drama has happened. Oh, sorry, Tony, were you going to play the music again? I, I, I forgot. <laughs> Note, no, just, note to self, let make sure Patrick only has one scotch before he gets on the air from now on. Just, you know, I'm not, I'm not used, I'm not used to change. There. I'm not used to change. I, we, we started this. We started this podcast with bare bones with Dave, not knowing how to fade out an entrance tune. And now here we are. With yeah, like that's I don't know how to music. fade out shit. 
I don't think that that's the serial thing there. No. no I'm, pretty sure Dave, I'm pretty sure Dave knows what he's doing. Does he? Does he? Yeah. As far as podcasting, so. yeah. Slowly slipping his way so. into senility. All right, all right, all right. Enough, enough about how inept I am with intro music. Let's get right <laughs> down to it. Let's talk a little Lock and Key Episode 8. And uh, I guess the first thing I'm going to say without talking about plot points is this episode moved faster than like any of the um, episodes I've watched so far. Like it started and was over before I really even recognized what happened. And what was truly crazy about the whole thing wasn't that it moved so fast, was that there it wasn't a high action episode with the way Tony had kind of talked about it. I guess I was expecting something a little more like intense and fast paced. And it really was like this whole aftermath of the incidents in episode seven with everybody, you know, getting shot to shit and and all of that, that, uh, yeah, I just, it was crazy. And it was, it, it was, it was nuts. And you got to see a lot happen. Uh, we now know what the Omega symbol means. Uh, as we were introduced to the Omega Key, dun dun dun. Uh, but where it was found and how it was found, uh, a little unexpected until the twist at the end. The other kind of neat thing that that we picked up on is we learned what the Cabinet Key does. Also pretty amazing and awesome. And uh, yeah, and it seems like Mom's drinking was helping her remember things, and that made the kids really worried. Now you know why it was my favorite episode. Yeah, I mean, I saw it like a week ago. We we watched it, and it's uh, it, it's a the big reveal, I guess, from the whole thing. In addition to everything you just talked about, Patrick, which are all great points, is that Dodge has apparently been with this group the whole time. Yeah, possibly pulling the strings, possibly manipulating things to her own, his own, its own machinations, whatever that might be, and no one really knows what what is dodge's end game here what is the goal here uh but yeah lucas that uh, guy was just an asshole but and then it all makes sense so he's an asshole because he's dodge and dodge is a bitch and it's all very circular but yeah i love at the end where uh the uh who was the girl evelyn was that rendell's girlfriend the one in the mental asylum uh, well, I thought it was like Ellie or something, but yeah, it starts with an E. Yeah. So she's there and, 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 you know, they're trying to get into her head and, uh, and Dodge realizes that, uh, Rendell hit the Omega key in his own head and that, that stuff at the end. And now you're looking the black doors there. They've got the Omega key. Now we're going to find out in episode nine, presumably, hopefully what's behind the black door. And uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. <laughs> Tony says, no, okay, Tony says not. probably. It's probably an episode 10 thing. If I, if I were to guess at best, maybe somebody walks through and that's where the episode ends, but uh, season I, ends probably. Season, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like a season. When uh, do we hear when uh, season two starts? Never. It's Netflix. So, I mean, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm still waiting on season two of stranger. Th- oh, I mean, uh, was it season four stranger things? But uh, is, is the next one coming? Yeah. They're on like that game of Thrones time scale. I think when it comes to, when the next season will come out and who knows with all the delays where it's going to be some relationships got mended. Some other relationships got pulled apart um, with the kids. It uh, looks like the reconciliation for Tyler and what's her name, at least on some level Jackie. forgot her name. Go Jackie. ahead, Jackie. 
uh, which is nice. I like Jackie. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts when Dodge gets a chance to to mess with Jackie's head a little bit at some point. Uh, I'm sure that'll that'll be a little nice little source of conflict. And uh, then you had the love triangle because yeah. we needed one. Oh boy, <laughs> Kinsey. Did we really need a love. Kinsey and Scott and Gabe. Who's gonna Who's gonna be the one to get her? Hopefully, know. hopefully Gabe. You're pulling for Maybe Gabe. Scott? I don't know who I'll pull for. I'm Team Edward. Oh wait, sorry, that's the wrong, wrong, wrong series. <laughs> now Edward was an abuser and should go away. But anyway, um, yeah, and I don't know if I can talk about this show with you guys anymore because I know what happens and now everything's happening and you guys. Oh, it's this is this is so fun to listen to you guys talk to the moment. Oh, I, I, and that's and that's great. I'm glad you. I'm glad. Yeah, you I'm. I, this is it. the last last time I'm gonna jump ahead. <laughs> it was okay. another, another great episode, though. I mean, and everything's just building, building to wherever right. we're gonna end up. And I mean, you can't. How do you complain about that? So yeah, it was a fun episode. A little different. A little. I think you're right, Patrick. A little different pacing. Not quite. What? What it but was. But it was before. fast. But but that's the thing is like watching it you would expect that episode which was a lot of exposition like when you really look at it it's a lot of exposition it's a lot of relationships you know as if you were if you were at a at a a wrestling pay-per-view at your bath it's it's almost like your bathroom break match yet it moved so fast like i paused it at one point because the little o'dowd needed something and i was like holy crap i only got about five minutes left of this episode where did it go where did it go? There's so many threads all over the place. One of the other things that drives me nuts in these sorts of shows, and it's a trope that that has always bugged me, why is it nobody listens to the little kid who actually knows what what's worth talking about? Like, the teenagers being like, no, no, we know what is right, and we must keep the little kid in the dark. The one who f- is connected the most to these keys and to what happens, Let's let's not tell him anything. Because little kids is dumb. Use is dumb. Little that's, kids is dumb. That's well, what teenagers think. That they know better. That's interesting. They know better and that little kids are like dances. Little kids are dumb. When in reality, little kids usually are uh, the more intelligent of the uh, adolescent variety. Well, and it's them. They believe, you know, the little kids believe the fantasy. The, the teenagers are kind of in the middle there where they understand something weird's going on, but they want to protect the little kids. And then as they get older, they forget about the fantasy and don't believe it. Yeah. What Until is, they start dreaming. What is the kid, the three. what is the kid saying when Harry met Sally? Because we're younger and more pure of heart. Therefore we're more in touch with cosmic forces. <laughs> it's something along those lines. Okay. Wow. I got a, I got a, I got a soundbite from Harry met Sally, but I don't think Actually, you want I think to hear that's it. from what the hell. Movie is that from? I don't know. Practical magic. You're the wrong. You're oh, the wrong. Sleep, sleepless, sleepless in Seattle. Sorry, different movie. I don't have one from that. <laughs> oh, one other thing. This is the the, la- the last thing, I guess. Um, what do we make of the, the uh, quote unquote cousin? Which which co- cousin? Which cousin? Was in the uh, in the house with uh, the one that doesn't have his memories. Right, Duncan. Yeah, was he? he you mean the the. An uncle, you mean? No, 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 no. So over in, and I'm, I'm missing characters' names. So forgive me on this. So, um, Bodhi goes over to the house with the uh, the autistic kid, Rufus. Uh, Rufus, 
and that other teenager that's lucas catch that's lucas that's dodge lucas and dodge, dodge are one and the same yeah there you go so lucas didn't age like it's just so weird fascinating i uh, i completely lost that and missed that connection when they were like there's lucas i didn't recognize the picture so i will own that i apparently blinked and missed I, that connection i didn't get it either I, I had that like i was looking at my wife and my and i'm like who who's lucas and she's like watch and she points it out see the picture and it's like oh and then when she when he turns the key under his chin and turns into dodge then you're like ah oh, shit Dodge right, has right. been there okay. the whole time. She's and that's that's when you're like, okay, what is her end game? What is going on? She's clearly manipulated all these people for okay. some reason. But See, that, why? That put it all together. Okay. Now now I was yes, I was a little off on that one. Um and then I do think it's also interesting that um I'll just call her E is trapped in her own mind. Like, and I'd be, I think there's an interesting story there as to how that happened, whether it was something went wrong with the mind key, like she was in there and somebody took the key away, uh, or something like that, which seems to make a lot of sense. Um, but it, it was an interesting take on somebody being comatose and insane. And I think it was a very apropos, we, we hear this a lot of times about people being trapped in their own bodies. And that very much felt like what we were seeing there. What's interesting is Rendell gets cremated presumably because he's right. in the urn and the uh, mort- mortician or whoever does no the key cremate, didn't notice there's an omega key in the ashes. <laughs> we, yeah. We, I mean, but then again, it, it leads to the question of the nature of the keys too. Like they're clearly supernatural. Like he put it in his head. What does that actually mean? How does that look? He, he walked into his mind and he threw it in there like the book. It's like what, what to do Basil? What does it all mean? I, I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> nice Austin maybe Powers reference. <laughs> and maybe it's just a you know it didn't necessarily show up right away or something when he got right. cremated, or it could fall well, into maybe, the same thing where the adults don't get it and don't understand it and don't remember, and he or, just left it in there. Or maybe it got put back together when they put it in the cabinet. Maybe it wasn't in the cabinet until or maybe it didn't get in there. Like you know, and I'm just spitballing here, but with with the magic of the construct, if the key, say the key was presumed destroyed in some way, shape, or form when he was cremated, um, and, and was you know metaphysical or whatever, when they put it in the cabinet, and turned the key, it restored the key. Who knows? Um, and we may I don't even know that that's a question that's going to get answered. It seems like the kind of question that everybody sits around in a podcast with nerds and is like, "What does it mean? What's going to happen with this?" I key? need explanations. And we're going to get to the series finale and some asshole is going to jump on the internet and write an article about all the unresolved problems with, with lock and key. And this will be one of them. This will be the thing that somebody fucking hangs their hat on. Um, but the, the race, I loved the graphic. The, the, I keep saying this will be the last thing. And I add a thing, the race of, um, Oh shit. Trying to get to Ellie while Dodge is leaving. And the juxtaposition with her going in the door, McKinsey going in the door as Dodge is going out the door. I just love that visual. I thought it was great. I loved the uh, the VHS tapes being how the memories were stored for somebody in the 90s. Everybody who was a child of the 90s remembers all your recorded shit on VHS cassettes. How many how many wrestling pay-per-views do you have on VHS cassettes, DP? Oh, geez. T- 10 years worth? Nice. <laughs> it's probably everything from 90 or maybe... 95 to early 2000s. 
So all in all, yeah. in a Rubbermaid wow. tub full, <laughs> right, next, <laughs> right next to right next to every Simpsons episode I taped off of the television too. But those are gone. I mean, once upon a time, they were probably lovingly kept in like a, some sort of order on a set of shelves. Oh yeah, well yeah, oh, we, we had we the, old, the old cabinets that you could open and had yep. all your thing, everything organized. They had it from you know each yeah WrestleMania two all the way on and everything yeah. Very in right order. Each one wrapped in bubble wrap, painstakingly. Right. If the label wasn't perfect, he like ripped it off and wrote another one. Yeah. Cleaned them up. All right, all right. Let's stop talking about how sad DPP is. Uh, oh. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> Wisconsin man with a basement full of wrestling tapes. I gotta say uh, though, DPP's beard oh. is immaculate and getting better every single week. Look at that thing. Oh, I know these stay-at-home orders. Uh, yeah, so, we we'll begin all these Twitter updates about it. <laughs> hey, I nice. stopped. You want me to send out another one? Hashtag do it, do it right now before you forget. <laughs> all right, so bandwagon, bandwagon nerds, we're gonna nerds, we're gonna go back to the trailer park. We're gonna leave lock and key in the rearview mirror, but we're gonna go back to the trailer park. Social distancing restrictions have been eased a little bit. We're just gonna stand in the street of the trailer park, you know, or like that, you know how there's that little like pseudo drive in the trailer park next to the trailer itself. But we're going to talk about a couple of um, things that dropped, or at least that we saw this week. And I'm going to do them in reverse order. Cause I think we're going to talk longer about one than the other and talk about the, it's basically a 22nd teaser for the Venom sequel, which we know is going to be pushed back. Uh, there was a, there was a news item that came out this week that the, Sony Spider-Man schedule is being pushed back to match up and sync up with the Marvel movie schedule that is getting pushed back. And, and it seems like that would make sense and that it's all part of a plan. But it was a very simple 20 second trailer of Venom's name changing color and adding and carnage or something or there will be carnage to the bottom. And we all knew this was coming in terms of where we thought this movie was going. But for me personally, as a big fan of the symbiotes uh, in the Spider-Man universe and, and the nonsensical nature of a carnage, it was just happy. I was, I was happy to see that it's, that it's coming to be and that we're going to get this someday, someday it could be, you know, 50 years from now, who knows, but that Morbius isn't the only thing we should be worrying about when we're looking at Venom. Or no, sorry, not Morbius. Um, sorry, um, just Carnage is the only thing is is what we're going to be working about when we come to Venom. Morbius is its own movie and has the vulture in it. My bad. You know, I, I'm glad to see that there's a Venom sequel that they're going to bring Carnage into the Spider Verse. That the Spider Verse is expanding. Uh, whether or not that they're the going to tie that into anything else that Marvel's doing with the MCU, there there's seems to be some loose threads tying Sony and Marvel and the MCU together. That's always been the case. You start to wonder if in this day and age with everything being delayed and pushed back, whether those uh, ties become a little bit more firm as both companies scramble to kind of recover from this, assuming it ever ends that sort of thing. But it's uh, yeah. I mean, carnage is one of the more iconic characters in the spider verse. So I'm like, yeah, let's, let's get him in there. Who, so, who, who was playing Carnage at the end of uh, Woody Harrelson? It's Woody Harrelson. Yeah. And Woody Harrelson yeah. is still playing that role. Um, and they fixed his crappy wig. That's that's the other thing that um, 
you can you can rest assured you you don't have to worry about that horrible wig if any of you saw it in the post credit scene of Venom. It's terrible. It's so bad. Look it up online if you haven't. It's not good. And Dave, rest assured, I think I can tell you this confidently. The threads and the relationship between Sony and the MCVU will remain strong. You know why they will remain strong? Because there's money. Yeah. Lots of money involved. And there's no way that either one is going to want to hurt the other by losing that. I agree. What do you guys think? You guys, Tony and DP, they're just like, yeah, whatever. Oh, right. Like you said, that they can do so many different things with this too, because you can, and yeah, it all depends on how Sony and and the whole Marvel universe want to want to work together. But I mean, with all the different characters in Spider Man universe, you can do so many different things, and you don't even have to tie in all those guys. Look at this. We missed the. I didn't get the memo. Was that in the email? Show up every week with a different fucking comic book shirt on. Hey, I got this, the whole yeah. Avengers on mine, so it counts for something. Yeah, I, I just got the Spidey look. It's bandwagon nerds, man. Like, how can you, like, not. I'm Bill thinking about Belichick changing for the, after the second break. No, <laughs> costume change. It's like I'm at a queen I think costume. Tony should, the macho man? Tony should show up shirtless for the second part of the show. Just, no, thank yeah. you. Nope. No, no, thank you. It's a lot of hair. It's a lot of hair right now. Yeah, you don't want well, you, you don't want to get into that competition. I've, with me, haven't buddy. been to the old waxer, have you? It's not. It's not bathing suit season right now here in the old. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I'm one chromosome um, away from. Anyway, go ahead, guys. I, I just hope that this really does blend into the MCU in a way that, that like maybe this is where we're getting towards whatever the MCU slash Sony version of the Sinister Six, Six is going to be. I, I'm just going to move on from the side of a, of a shirtless Tony and uh, talk about the Sinister Six. Most men do. Few women don't. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, you're wearing an Iron Man shirt, sir. Um, just got which is vision of cool. Tony once, shirtless once playing time, golden probably wasn't cool. Until you can do the Lex Luger. Is there any other way to play Golden Tee, Dave? (laughs) Awkward. Okay, why don't we switch to the other trailer that we got dropped um, and probably puts the strongest argument I've seen so far for myself personally to check out HBO Max. And that is a new Looney Tunes series. Dropping here on HBO Max in late May, I think it's the end of the end of May. Watch the trailer myself, fellas. Um, I've watched it a couple of times, probably as strong in the spirit of classic old school Looney Tunes as I've seen in a long time. Cause there's been a lot of Looney Tunes retreads. There's been a lot of like boomerang, for example, has its own sort of Looney Tunes series out there that you can watch the cartoon style. The stylistically, the animation looks different. It, it's sort of the same, but doesn't really feel the same. I didn't necessarily get that out of this trailer, and I'm not trying to be fanboy hyperbolic about it. It just felt like Looney Tunes. It felt like an old school, you know, just the trailers and what they were doing seemed very much like what we talked about when we did the Saturday morning cartoon list. It felt very much like the Looney Tunes you would watch on, on TV on, um, in my world, ABC. Before... Before we, Dave, you go ahead and your your opinion here. I just want to get a little information out here. If you're a subscriber on DirecTV or like AT and T or whatever AT and T cable or or satellite, 
you get HBO Max for free if you're an HBO subscriber on that already. And I have DirecTV and I have HBO, and that's fucking awesome because it's going to be 15 bucks. And HBO Max, that's when HBO Max starts. Is uh, I believe it's the day after Memorial Day. Um, so I believe that's the 27th, correct? So, and they're going to have a whole bunch of content um, from movies and series that have already happened, uh, Friends, uh, Big Bang Theory, a bunch of really good movies. And then they're also going to be doing original series. So, and, and this is one of them. But I know we all talked about the cartoon thing and, and we all love Looney Tunes. I mean, what did you think? Did you agree with Patrick, Dave, when you saw the preview? Did it look more like the original Looney Tunes you could kind of dig back into? Because I pop every time I see, you know, Roadrunner and Coyote. That's my all-time favorite. I wasn't really sure what it was. I think I asked you guys, is this something old? Is this brand new? Because it looked so much like old-school Looney Tunes that uh, I didn't realize it's it's an actual new Looney Tunes show that they're going to... It's going to be on HBO Max is what you guys are telling me. It, it looks like the real deal. I mean, they've got all the iconic characters are in there. You got Bugs, Daffy, Roadrunner. Uh, you got the uh, the big red hairy thing that I don't even know the name of. That. <laughs> Whatever. Gossamer. Yeah. That Just one. put your patties in the water. What is it? Gossamer. What's the name? Oh, there you go. Yeah, they, they've got all the uh, all the iconic characters are there. It, it looks it look. It's awfully hard to screw up Looney Tunes, that sort of thing. So I'm all all in favor of uh, them bringing that back in any sort of any sort of variation you want. Get it out there. Yeah, Looney Tunes is obviously was on all of our lists. I think one of our favorite shows from when we were kids. Still one of my favorite shows. So yeah, I mean that's I didn't have to be sold too much on HBO Max to begin with, but that's just like well, that seals the deal. Another fifteen bucks out the window. Yeah, is it just new? Is it just this new uh, Looney Tunes, or do you, are you going to get any option to watch any of the old stuff, too? It's just a new Looney Tunes series, just from what name. I've seen. Yeah, honestly, I, I mean, I haven't really looked into HBO Max that much. Um, with the overwhelming amount of streaming services that are available, like, this is a thing, as I tangent the crap out of this one, how many, how many more streaming services do I need to make time for? Um, and it, it's really annoying that they're so stratis- stratified right now because there's, it only takes one thing for me to be like, Oh, I really want to watch this. And so, you know, what you just shared, Tony, about HBO max made my freaking day as a direct TV subscriber and an HBO subscriber. I'm like, win for me because like I've talked about it on, the, I, I've talked about this service multiple times on the show, but shutter has really tempted me. And I talked about this. I can't remember if it was last show or the show before, but Joe Bob Briggs's drive-in theater, they brought back Joe Bob Briggs's drive-in theater with a double feature once a week on shutter. And I freaking loved that guy as a teenager. Cause I would stay up on, on Friday and Saturday nights to watch the movie channel because the movie channel had Joe Bob Briggs's drive-in theater and he would do a double feature every night and it was something different every night. And it was amazing. And now I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, it's only $8. Can I convince Mrs. O'Dowd that we could use another $8 to spend on a streaming service? I mean, it's, it's, but every time I bring up a new streaming service, she throws the ultimate threat at me and it's not fair. 
Yeah, you're gonna have to switch to shitty scotch if you want that streaming service. He's no, like, right, eh, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. No, no, it's not the it's not scotch. It's you'll have to drop the WWE network. And well, then like, you just get Greg's know, password. Yeah. And then, password. I'm like, <laughs> but then I'm like, woman, please. No, nah, I don't I don't want to be any more beholden to Greg DeMarco than I already am. Like, why why are we trying to do that? Like that friendship, I, I owe him enough. I don't think I want to put him through through more of that. But no, it's it's crazy. Like every single streaming service out there, like I haven't subscribed to Hulu and there's like nine shows on Hulu that I really want to watch. Uh, CBS has about three shows that I'd really, really love to watch, but don't want to pay for it. And for, for crying out loud, you know, like, what, you know, one of these days, somebody's going to come along and they're going to take like Hulu and that shutter and the CBS all access and Netflix they're going to put them kind of all together into this like one thing you can buy, like this package deal. Cable! All these different things. Yeah, like cable. What? What? Oh, yeah, shit. Is that you what, know what I heard lately, though? I heard that uh, <laughs> Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter were actually going to combine. God, I hope not, man. Yeah, was they going to call it You Twit Face? Oh, okay. Oh, jeez. Yeah, side yeah. note. When did Facebook suddenly turn into the political rant forum for the entire world? Because old people are on Facebook. You're on Facebook, like, Patrick. You're on, and you're on and Facebook. I'm old. I'm 40-something years old. Like, I'm okay with that. You're 50-something years old. You're on Facebook. I know. So, it's just like, God, where do, where was all the fun fun posts have gone away? Right, Everybody's right, right. just ranting about all. It's like, all right, whatever. We lost Tony. He just checked. Oh, no, there he is. Okay. He's back. Right. He's back. Oh, <laughs> I geez. thought maybe he was going to take his shirt off. He popped, turned the camera <laughs> off, take his shirt off. Put it back With his golden tee little button <laughs> flicking it the whole time. <laughs> I've been known. Where is that thing? It's over there. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. So the world is coming to an end. All of these, all of these individual companies are going to become one big conglomerate. We'll be back where we started. And life will just feel normal. And I don't know. It's it's insane. So many people thought they were saving money by cutting the cable cord. They're really just spending the same amount as they would or more. with any sort of service or more. Right. Uh, and so really, what did you save? I don't know. I'm not saving anything either. As as we just talked about, I'm willing to pay for premium channels on DirecTV, which is by no means a cheap endeavor on its own. So, fellas, what do you say we take a little break and bring our guest on? It sounds good to I, me. Unless, all you, right, yeah, go for it. Well, I gotta, I gotta add them first. So we're gonna step away here for a second, listen to a couple of commercials, have some fun, and when we come back, we will have uh, our guest. We'll have Morgan from from Sony on uh, to talk to us a little bit about uh, what she does and and video game development. So, guys, I hope you got some questions ready because I can't run this on my own. Uh, but I'm super excited to do this. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot.com, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. We are also on Raja.com, and we will be back in about 30 seconds with Morgan from Sony. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Why should you visit the Chairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. 
All right. Welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you for listening to us. Pay the bills for about 30 seconds there. Uh, Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Blah, 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 blah. So on and so forth. But we are back with a guest, uh, an old friend of mine. And I'm just going to I'm going to get out of the gate right now. Only used part of your last name, Morgan. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we are joined by Morgan. And I'm just or which what, is it? Friar McCulloch still? Is it just McCulloch? What do you it's- what do you want? Friar McCulloch. Friar McCulloch. So, um, guys, Morgan and I go way back. Uh, I knew Morgan when she was an undergraduate student, and the way that we met all centered around a golf cart ride. <laughs> it's lots true. And lots of golf cart rides. Right. When I, uh, when I worked at the University of Massachusetts, um, it was a big part of our move-in operation and was allowed to be mobile and had a golf cart, and I was... Um, heading over to one of the buildings uh, where Morgan worked and one, you really wanted to ride a golf cart. Like you're really excited about the idea of doing it. Um, So Morgan helped me do a bunch of like just boring, busy work on a golf (laughs) cart for part of a day. And that's, that's how a friendship has been born. And Morgan worked for, for us for a couple of years. And then you took a job out West. And so, and that's actually why we brought you here. We're, we've been talking video games for the last couple of weeks. So why don't you let the audience in on who you are and what you do, uh, and then we'll start bugging you a little bit. Sure. I know we want to pick your brain. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I graduated with a degree in music technology and composition uh, with the intention of working in video games. Uh, I specifically had a goal for composing music at first, um, but uh, currently speaking, it's a little bit more tricky than that. <laughs> um, so I moved to California with the intent of uh, applying to any game company I could think of. Um, originally with the intent of working in sound design. Um, it's very tricky to climb the ladder in the industry. So I had to take a step back and rethink my position a little bit and ended up uh, applying originally as a QA tester. And so now I work for PlayStation as the lead audio tester. So, all right, uh, I'm an idiot. What does that mean? <laughs> so, uh, this is actually pretty exciting. It's a very new effort that PlayStation is doing and not a lot of studios have. Um, so within QA, you have, uh, functionality testing, which, um, is the general scope of play testing. Uh, so, going through the game and just making sure that it's playable, that there's no progression blockers or crashes, that the game makes sense, um, that it can be released legally, and that uh, it's the final product that the studio intends. Um, So apart from functionality, there are a few subsections of QA. There's localization testing, which they focus on all of the various languages that are set for the game. So there's English, but the games are released all over the world. So we have German and French and Japanese and Italian and all these other languages. And so localization is in charge of making sure that every language plays back properly and all the subtitles are correct um, and that there's no legal issues on that end. There's also... Uh, compliance and TRC testing. They are the ones in charge of essentially making sure the base of the game runs the way it should run. Uh, There's no legal issues. There's no crashes. uh, It checkboxes every 
basic level of gameplay that needs to be required. So uh, making sure there's different kinds of audio settings, making sure there's subtitles, um, basically all of the functions that you see that any video game would have, they have to make sure that it functions correctly. Uh, and then audio testing, which is what I'm leading, uh, is a, like I said, a brand new effort. Uh, so we, my, myself and my team work directly with the sound designers, the music editors, uh, the project managers um, on whatever title we are requested to assist with. And we make sure that audio uh, in any form, music, dialogue, or sound effects are played back properly and with the intent that the designers have. So just making sure everything's leveled properly. We assist them with their final mix sessions before the game is released. Uh, we work with the musicians and the music editors to make sure all the music plays back properly as it should, uh, that all of the dialogue uh, plays back at the right times and there's no performance issues. So that entire scope is what my team assists with on these titles. So Dave, when you get creeped out in those survival horror games, Morgan's people make sure that you get creeped out appropriately. Yeah, you can blame me. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly some people take quality control. But I mean, everything she's saying, we make sure there's no bugs. We make sure their game's working right. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what went wrong with WWE 2K20 then? That they just let it out there <laughs> and none of that stuff worked. So clearly some so companies take this more seriously than others. Oh, yeah. Basically, the two most important things you're looking for then is that the sound levels are correct and that the synchronization is there for the most part. I mean, that's like a really dumbed down way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. But at, at the basic level, we have to make sure that, you know, all of the all of the sounds are correctly in the game and there's nothing missing. Everything is synced properly and volume levels are correct across music, sound effects and dialogue. Is there any uh, you got any good stories of ones you found that have been horrible? Oh, that you can I, tell us about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, careful. Uh, so, unfortunately, <laughs> I can't tell you about any bad bugs. Um, I can tell you about some some funny ones. Um, let's see. Uh, oh God. So, I'll I'll give some context. I've worked. Uh, my first game that I worked on was God of War, uh, and I assisted with the release for that. And then I moved on uh, to Spider Man. And then Days Gone, uh, Concrete Genie, and Death Stranding. So those are the titles that I've been a, a part of so far. Um, to give some massive context as to the AAA titles I'm working with. So let's see. Uh, funny ones. Death Stranding was really interesting to work with. Because obviously, if any of you have played it, it is not your typical AAA action RPG style game. So... Uh, very immersive, very, we called it uh, the hiking simulator when we were testing it. Um, it's very accurate. <laughs> um, but one thing that was really interesting was uh, we were working with a dialogue coordinator, Jody, and she, uh, one of the things we were putting pressure on was to make sure that all of Sam's actions within the game had to be as realistic as possible. So he's traversing over these like massive landscapes and lots of rocks and mountains and all this stuff and we had to make sure that all of his exerts and efforts were reflected properly so lots of breathing um and grunting sounds and just like little details like that that kind of bring it alive um and 
I remember something that I always thought was uh, really odd was um, he he breathes in patterns. Uh, not so much anymore, but I remember there was a point when they were still implementing that I could count uh, every breath that he took was implemented to his left foot. So you could you could time it properly. And I remember playing through and watching this. I was like, why can I count the beats on this? And then I started noticing and I found out that one of the designers um, as a draft version implemented all of his breathing to specifically that foot to make sure that they at least got the pattern down. It's it's varied now and they did a lot of editing, but things like those little efforts that you notice, you're just like, oh, video games are weird, man. Making video huh? games is so weird. <laughs> I can't, what if I he can't had to imagine what picking if, up on that? Like, how do you if, pick up on that? That's crazy. <laughs> what if he had to hop on his right foot for a long period of exactly. time? He would have died. He would have yeah. died. <laughs> <laughs> that well, and that that I guess I get I get, can really speak to the kind of the height of realism that we see games sort of striving to to reach toward now. Uh, you know, Dan on his list last week, and I know I sent you the show from last week. I don't know if you got to it in the list. Dan's talking about uh, his VR experience. Uh, what was that game? Half-Life Alex. Oh, Half-Life Alex. Half-Life, yeah. Oh, uh, nice. And so I, I can't even imagine, like, to, I don't know that I would have been keen enough to pick up on something like every time he takes a, a left foot step that, like, he breathes. Like, you gotta have a special kind yeah. of ear for that, huh? Yeah, so that's part of the reason this team... We are a specialized team within Worldwide Studios, which is the segment of PlayStation that I work for. Um, so I was brought on because of my background and my degree. Um, and it started out as just like a solo effort on my part. I was still part of functionality. I was just assigned to focus on audio testing. Um, it turned out that I did uh, such a good job on God of War and got so much praise from all of the designers that they wanted it to keep going. So it was kind of this... Um, like Rolling Stone effect of like just picking up more and more traction of all these games that I started working on. And Death Stranding was the first game where my team was put together. So I've only had the team and managed the team for about a year now. And I uh, had two testers that worked under me. And uh, I am very picky about who I've brought on so far, not only because we need you need a really good ear to pick up on these things. You need to have a basic understanding of audio work and sound design and what goes into all of that. Um, but also I've developed such a unique relationship with these sound designers and all of these uh, audio designers across the titles that I want to make sure that relationship continues. Um, and we continue uh, to essentially produce the level of uh, accuracy and, productivity that we have on past titles so it's a really it's a really fun effort and especially getting the insight into how these designers make the sounds they do and how everything's implemented and just like the entire process of bringing a triple a title together is an amazing effort i take a step back sometimes and i'm like oh yeah i've worked on freaking god of war wait hang on a second <laughs> it's a it's a big realization moment when you think back on it <laughs> So, so you talk about a realization moment when a game gets released that you've worked on. What talk? What's that like? Very surreal. Um, I do you read all, Do you read a lot of the reviews right away? Do you dive not, into that, or are you trying to stay away right from? Not right away. It? I I'm very back and forth. Obviously, um, 
So an interesting thing, uh, the titles that come through, obviously QA uh, supports them through submission and release, um, but there's usually a small team that stay on afterwards about at least one to three months after release for patch testing. Um, and part of their job, at least within the first month, is to uh, keep track of the Reddit forums and any players that report bugs. Okay. So they use Reddit as essentially a system for anything that other players find because obviously a team of 20 or 30 testers is not going to find the amount of bugs that like millions of people playing this game are going to find. So uh, they keep track of these forums and just uh, go through any like actual bugs that are submitted. And obviously we have to kind of ignore any like highs and lows, but there's a lot of conversations of like, oh, people really like this. People didn't like this so much. Oh, we totally agree with what this person says, and we tried to stop it, but we couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there I gotta, you go, everybody. I got to ask you this. I, I know we can't talk specifics and that sort of thing, but we are on the brink of the launch of new next-generation consoles for Sony mm -hmm. and Microsoft. In general, what are your thoughts on this next generation coming up? I'm very excited. I'll put this in the perspective of uh, at least the last two console releases. So for PS3, um, right between PS3 and PS4, we had games like Last of Us, you know, that just kind of pushed the limit of what this console could do, like graphics and sound and memory and just really showcasing what the technology is behind that. And we're seeing the same thing with um, the PS4. Like Final Fantasy Remake just came out and I'm playing through it right now and my mind is just blown with the graphics. That game it's is insane. crazy. It's oh my crazy. god. I I I played the original and like I remember booting up the opening sequence and just through the entire title sequence and when Cloud lands, I was in tears. I was like, This is real. Oh my god, this is happening. Um but it's amazing to see what these developers can do with this engine you know i feel like each console lifetime kind of has a point of like lull in the middle where these games coming out are like really good and a lot of fun like i'll, I'll say horizon zero dawn is a key example i absolutely love that game i love the dlc i'm like overwhelmed and i've played it three times now and uh it's a prime example of like the what the console looks like like in its height of life but as you get towards the end of the title obviously studios still have to release games they can't just hold titles back because a new console is like rumored to be coming out or anything like that they still have to release these games so what they do is just showcase everything that it can do before moving on to the next thing and it just makes you excited for if this is what they can do at the end of a lifetime for this console. Imagine what they're going to do coming up next. You know, it's, it's crazy to see where everything's going in just a short amount of time. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be a fanboy for a second. Um, <laughs> well, cause you mentioned God of war, which I do believe was on uh, somebody's list. We were doing this Dan, top 50 countdown. Dan and I both had I, it in our yeah, 41 to 50. Right. And, and I mean, that series has always been kind of boss and awesome. And I had the Last of Us too, Morgan. Just I'm going to pat myself on the back. I had the Last of Us. <laughs> on all these great games that, that and Spider Man. Hell yeah! There you go, Dan. See, we, I, we, we talked about we talked about why I couldn't put Spider Man on the list, Morgan. When uh, <gasps> well, hold on, I've never played the game. 
I've never okay. played the game. All right. And, and and the reason why is because I have a child now. And so when it's like <laughs> swinging well, through the city? No, but the problem is I gotta share. Oh, I don't want to share. I don't want to share the kid. He's eight. <laughs> he's, up, he's upstairs playing Minecraft right now. Actually, oh. on the PS4, he's freaking obsessed with it, <laughs> um, and I love it. No, so outside of getting to to test games and, and sort of, you know, you get the inside track on what these games are going to be like. Oh, what's he's what's your what's you, Patrick? Speaking of which, there's the little old dad. That's so my buddy. friend Morgan. Hi. <laughs> say hi. 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 There you go. Hey, this is what happens is so he hears me say his name or talk about him. And then he has to rush down and be like, what's he talking about? <laughs> like, so that, so that's what happened right there. Um, but outside of, you know, kind of the work that you do, what's kind of the coolest perk about working in the video game industry? What, what have you loved the most? Oh gosh, that's a big question. Um, right. I like broad questions. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, on a humble level, being able to work in this industry is insane. Like I, even when I graduated, like it's only been three years and I did not think that I would be in the position I was. Um, I think I, I thought I'd be testing for at least three to five years before moving up and doing anything else. So, um, I'm very grateful and humble for the position I'm in and PlayStation, I will like pat them on the back as an amazing company to work for. Um, in the more, uh, solid sense, let's see, I think just, so for me having the background in audio, uh, my type of celebrities were the like lead sound designers or the, uh, music supervisors that were in charge of the games that I loved. Um, being able to be friends with them in person is kind of insane to me. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll give some context. When I first started working with them, uh, I tried to make an effort to talk to the music supervisor and get some insight into how to get into music for games and any advice that he had and uh, just things to do in my downtime. And we started talking and I was explaining to him um, like one of my influences, one of the reasons I want to go into music was, uh, so Bloodborne is one of my favorite games of all time. I don't know if any of you have been Dark Souls fans or played it. Um, but I think the lore is absolutely incredible and the world that they created is beautifully done. Uh, but I think the music is something that stands on its own. It was made by five different composers collaborating together to make something like this. So I was explaining to the music supervisor that like this is an example of something that I want to do and it's like influenced me so much and he was like oh you played Bloodborne huh I wrote the music for the DLC and I was like hold up <laughs> I had such like a fangirl moment of like I need a second please you wrote the music yeah so apparently for the DLC um the composers wrote all of the instrumentals but they had no choral work so he ended up writing all of the choral pieces for all of the DLC. Um but little things like that were like I it goes to what I said earlier of uh just kind of having a realization check of you know in day to day I just do my job and I get used to this being my life and then I have moments like that where I'm like holy crap, I work with these people, you know, <laughs> like I work with these amazingly talented, creative individuals that make something so unique that 
everyone can enjoy. And him and another humble example would be uh, Mike Niederquill. He's one of the lead sound designers that I work with, and he was the lead on God of War. Um, and he's done quite a few talks on the design work that he did. But a prime example was he created uh, Jormungandr's voice. Um, and I think in total, there's 49 tracks on the Pro Tools session that he did for Jormungandr. Uh, and if he dives into the session, I think there's like an elephant seal in there and a giraffe sound. And he's got all of these blends of things that you would never think of in your entire life. But these people are able to like use these unique sounds and piece them together to create something like that, which is it's awe inspiring for me. So that's definitely the biggest the biggest one working in this industry. Dark Souls well, is got... just brutally hard. <laughs> brutally hard game. Everybody knows you're you're expected to die at least twenty oh, to yeah. thirty you times playing that game, and well, then you, you go actually... and find your body. Yeah, and grab you all your have to die in order body. to progress. It's crazy, but I I don't know. I like it because I think they do a really good job of the reward system. You know, like you're hacking away at this stuff over and over again, but the adrenaline rush you get from beating a boss finally. And just like, I actually did this, I accomplished this, is it's rewarding in its own right. So I think they use that to their advantage. It, it shows. So before we let you go, I want to I wanna segue. Uh, you segued very nicely by talking about games you love. And since we are doing our top 50 console games of all time, I'm not going to ask you to list off 50. <laughs> but can you give us five your top five console games that, that you would want our listeners to play if they haven't played or oh, even just yeah. your top five of all time. Okay. Um, do they have to be in any order? No order is necessary. Cool. Um, we don't even know what we're doing half the time. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'd say two slots would go to near automata and hellblade. Um, near, I say specifically, I think the music is the most beautiful score I've ever heard in a, in a game before. Um, I like it because you don't have to play the others in the series. Um, it holds very well as a standalone. The combat is amazingly smooth. I think it's super satisfying. Um, the interesting concept is there's five endings to the game. Uh, you get through all five uh, in working order, like you can get to them naturally. The fun part is technically there's 26 total endings uh, and the rest, the ones that aren't from the main five uh, are technically joke endings. So it's if you die in a weird way or if you like go off the map, it'll speed through the credits and start you over again. Um, so I think that's that's really fun. Um, but I, I always recommend that to people that are looking for a really fun uh, action RPG uh, with a lot of good story. Um, Hellblade, I don't know if you guys have heard of it before. Um, it's not super well known. Um, it's, it's by Ninja Theory. Uh, so it's about a six to eight hour game. It's not very long. Um, but it's based in Nordic and Viking culture. Uh, the premise of it is the main character suffers from schizophrenia. Um, so she, um, has visual and oral hallucinations, um, and the kicking point of this game that they did so well is they use binaural audio. So what that is, is it's essentially 
it's kind of like 3D audio if you think about it. Um, so they place a microphone in the center of the room and then the person will walk around the entire outside. So the microphone will pick up every single sound that's coming in and they design that into the game. So the premise of it is as you're going along, the main character Senua has voices in her head and these voices, you have to wear headphones for this. These voices come from every single pinpoint location that you can think of behind you, next to you, in front of you, in a corner. They come from one side or another side. So it's really immersive. The first time I played it, I had to stop after an hour because I was getting so overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> but it's it's an amazing process. And it's a really cool game just to see like the progression of like putting something of a mental disorder in that time and context um, is really interesting. But the combat's also really well done. Um, so that's, that's a lot of fun. And it's only like six to eight hours if you have like a day, if you want to go through it or something like that. Um, that's two. Let's see. Horizon Zero Dawn's definitely on there just because I've played it so much. And I think, uh, the world and the machines that they've created are just top tier. It's so cool to see. Um, Final Fantasy 15 is definitely one of my favorites. Um, it's a very big world. I'm a big Square Enix fan. Um, and I like that it's very open world. And I think the story is just a lot of fun. Um, and just, you know, driving down the highway with your boys in the car is just the best thing ever. It's great. Um, <laughs> the little, like, banter that they have with each other is just the funnest thing. Um, let's see. That's four. Last one. Um, oh, that's hard. I'm going to go... I like how oh, she's looking at hey. her collection right now. I know. I have to look right. over and see, like, what do I have on here? Um, um, and how do we describe it when you're making that last decision? It's like picking, <laughs> like leaving your favorite child behind or something. Or Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, oh, God, I'm terrible. See, I'm a terrible mother. I didn't say Bloodborne. Oh, Bloodborne. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I went on that giant rant. I didn't even say it. Yeah, Bloodborne for sure. <laughs> cool. Well, before we let you go, Morgan, I do want to say um, thank you very, very much for coming onto the program and talking to us a little bit. You're, you, this this whole interview is right in the vein of what we do on this show, so it was it was perfect to have you. And on a slightly personal note, I'm just very happy that I got to talk to you. It's been, like I said, years. I'm very proud of the work that you've been able to do, um, and and to really find a, a find a way to use that degree of yours in a way that makes you happy. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little jealous. Like <laughs> like when I see you put statuses up of like I'm going to this conference or I met this person or I did this thing, I'm like damn, she's lucky. Um, <laughs> and I'm happy to have known that she was a part of it. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, guys, anything to add? Yeah, yeah. Before you get out of here, do you want to plug any of your social media stuff that you got going on? Yeah. Um, I would say you guys are all welcome to follow me on Twitter. Um, it's where I post definitely most of the updates for anything, uh, in the industry. And I have a lot of friends on there that are fellow sound designers and, um, uh, just people in the industry that I've worked with. So you can kind of get an insight into our day-to-day -day process and our ramblings. Uh, it's at shadow wisp. So S H A D O W H I S P S. Um, and from there I have all my other, uh, like Instagram and all that, all that jazz. Um, but yeah, feel free to follow me on Twitter and like have some fun and to, 
the insight of all of these sound designers and the fact that we all work way too many hours. <laughs> Listen, we're we're all jealous of what you're doing, and you obviously have worked on some amazing things and have done some amazing work. I want to ask one thing of you. Go for can it. we talk? Can we talk to you again sometime during the summer? Yes, happily. <laughs> Hopefully, we're Excellent. allowed See, out guys, of the house by then. Guys, yeah. You always had- you always ask for a second date while you're on the first date. Little, little, little tip there. There you go. Oh, th- thanks, Coach. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we. On that note, we're going to let you go, Morgan. Thank you very much one more time for coming out of the program, Thank and you, we Morgan. will see you down the road. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so Morgan. Much, guys. Thank you. It was a blast. All right. Stay safe, everyone. All right. Welcome back. That was Morgan Fryer-McCulloch from Sony PlayStation, giving us some insight on her work as an audio tester. Gosh, you know, I think that was a pretty good first interview, fellas, for the Bandwagon Nerds podcast. What do you think? I think, yeah, Tony should repeat what he said off the air. Uh, yeah, I've I've interviewed a lot of people. I've interviewed some hall of a couple of hall of famers in professional wrestling, yep. and that was one of my top five favorite interviews of all time. Um, she's she's a delight. She knows her shit. You can see why she's gotten so far where she's gotten, and I'm sure they're that she's just cracked the surface of what she's going to do. She's so super intelligent. And that's just my thoughts after a 15 minute, 20 minute conversation. So that's why I had, I had to get her on the spot, have it on the air. And she's agreed to come back to talk to us again, fellas. Look at that. Look at us get back out now. <laughs> Smartest person ever on this show, Patrick. And that's saying something with you and me on this show. So, Oh, it's hard. It's hard to argue that. And the uh, scientists. We got the scientists. I'm a scientist too. Over yeah, you're here. a scientist. We got Tony. We, we got Tony. Yeah, Dangerous. exactly. So <laughs> we got a scientist and two true nerds and PC. Stop it. No more chest hair. I'm the one that got her back on the show again. That's why you're the coach. No, I'm just kidding. Coach no, Tony. Kudos, kudos to Patrick, though. Uh, you know, good for you uh, for having a great relationship with someone like that. And, um, you know, it was a great conversation. Good. And I, I'm thrilled that we were able to have her. I'm glad that we got to do that. But we we started this video game conversation with a, a little bit of some behind the scenes stuff. We're going to jump right in. Let's get to some top 50. Okay. Well, as we uh, as we noted, I was having some real trouble with the numbers, uh, trying to figure out what we were talking about today in our in our video game project as we go down the top fifty, our top fifty consoles of all time. I think I got it now, fellas. Though we're we're covering numbers thirty to twenty one, and I got go. some good news today. Dave Ungar will not steal anybody else's thunder and try to end this early. Because Dave Ungar will be the one finishing up our list today. Woo-hoo. As the order is David, myself, DPP, and PC Tunney in that order, counting down from 30 to 21. David, take it away. All right, fellas. I, I think after the last episode, we realize there's going to be some uh, discussion on this one. And so let's, let's get it going. Uh, my number 30 of all time is I think it's a game that Patrick mentioned on the last episode. And so it's a good time to talk about it. 
It is one of two of these franchises on my list. It is The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past for the Super Nintendo. Right. Uh, oh, it's higher on Tunny's list. All right. Uh, well, uh, my proposal is... And on DPP my, li- my list would On my list, it would end this show. Well, okay, we can end this show then. We can end this DP. show. Oh, is it higher, DP? It will. It will not. It, will, it is on another show for me. So, uh, so me, you told so me. No, it's furloughed until we get to you. Then, <laughs> yeah. Dan, there you go. go. And we'll go. You to be waiting a while. You guys are gonna be waiting a while, brothers. That's so it's okay. in your top ten. <laughs> There's only a few of these left. So it's on the final <laughs> week of the video game project, and I'm okay with that if if that's what it takes. I am too. So my thirty. Uh, I. We, we mentioned this series earlier on an earlier show, and I had mentioned specifically that I had a particular game in this series on my list. My number, number 30 is Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which was a PlayStation 1 game. It's, Dan, where's It's on this Dave? episode, and very soon, Patrick. <laughs> I've got it a little okay, bit so higher we'll, than you. So we'll, we'll wrap it around back to you then, and we'll go right into DPP. How's that? I got I'm one that with... I guarantee you nobody has on their list right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a game for the... yeah, I think I got this one. This is a game for the okay. Super Nintendo. And it was called NCAA Basketball. Oh. Well, okay, hold you on. Know. Like, is it the EA one? No, this is for the Super Nintendo. It was a, it was its own game. It wasn't EA. Okay. It was a, it was a standalone then, game. Then, yeah, I guess, I guess we'll, we'll we'll let you do it then. Okay. Okay. This was, yeah, this was on its own. It didn't have, it had the, it had some of the teams. It only had a handful of conferences. I think it was eight conferences. It was basically the first time they, I think that they ever really did a basketball game where you saw it from behind the player and the camera rotated as the player turned and everything. So everything stayed right behind the guy dribbling the basketball and there was no crowd. It was a blue background everywhere. So you just saw the court and that was it. Uh, but it was one of those games that I just I never stopped playing because it, it was so much fun. Because I love college basketball, you could switch between your defenses. It had all those options. It had a handful of different plays that you could switch around between, um, and it did, went through a you had a regular season. You just didn't have all the conferences, and everything. But they did a, you did a season, and then it went into the tournament. It didn't have the graphics of what the tournament looked like. You just went through and played your games until you got down to the championship. Um, so it kind of had everything, but just not very detailed. It was just you played the game, and that was pretty much it. But it was it, it didn't have player names; it just had generic player names. But it was just it was one of those games for me that was just so much fun. It was kind of my first step into college basketball video games, so it was entertaining for me, and it was so different than any other game, you know, sports game that you played because it wasn't side scrolling or isometric. It was behind the player, which never really was done at that point. And that, it was just so much fun to play. I'm legitimately sad I don't remember this game or that I had this game. Like, I don't know. It's, I don't see it on any lists anywhere for best games. I don't like graphically. Obviously, it wasn't that great. No, I, sure. It was so it was just so weird because everything was different about it than a normal game. But when it, for me, when it comes to sports, and, and like, and I, even though the quality of play is nowhere near the level of professional athletes, I love college sports. And, and if I could watch, like, I will take all of the grief you Wisconsin boys give me over the University of Illinois. 
um, because I love my college teams. I just love them. I love college sports. I love college basketball. We're going to talk about it a little bit later on this episode, in fact. But yeah, I, I regret that I never got that game. It was, yeah, I don't know. It was one, uh, I don't know how I got it, how I came across, you know, playing it. I think it was just because it was NCAA basketball. And I'm like, hey, I never had an NCAA game. I didn't have the Sega Genesis to play any of the other ones or anything. So mm-hmm. that was kind right. of, the, at that time, that was the only one I had. Right. Um, it's crazy. Be, it's crazy because, Patrick, if you have a college basketball game on your list coming up, I had one on my list. So that means we all had our own version of college basketball. And it's all right. It seems like it's all the first one we finally got to play was there was a there was a version of a video game with college basketball. Right. Well, and it's funny because we we're, I know we're going to talk about NBA Jam at some point um, in the future. I think it was a console version. There was an NCAA NBA Jam game and I can't remember what it was called, but I definitely remember playing it. Um, and I think it was on the Super Nintendo somewhere. I, again, I'm going to have to look it up. Find it. This may be another hockey incident. <laughs> That's what where, I was where, it's hot, it's hot. Both, mysterious hockey game. This like, mis- yeah, this greatest hockey game ever that Patrick's only played. No one else can fucking find. Both of you. Was it Arch Rivals? Was that the game? Sorry, Arch Rivals was not the game. Thank you. Though I did love Arch Rivals back in the day. Did not make my list, though. Tony, why don't you... No, sorry, buddy. Honey, why don't you why don't you regale us with your list while I think of different ways to punch you through the screen? Folks, you couldn't hear it, but Patrick gave me this look, you know, and DP encouraged me to go there. I apologize for DP mm. doing that. Um, <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> Speaking of punching bags, <laughs> Tiger Tiger Woods golf for the Wii, and okay. here's why: it's because it was one of the first games finally where I played that it had like for the sports and especially golf. You played against other people. You got ranked. You had this tournament time for a day, and this was the one for the day, and you could check your standings, and you were ranked nationally and everything else on the whole entire week. Um, It wasn't really realistic because you could basically shake the controller to slow the ball down when it got up by the green, but it was fun. It was a good, fun golf game. It was interesting because you could actually get up there and swing. It was a lot more advanced than um, Wii Golf. And it actually had the PGA Tour behind it. So I enjoyed it. I actually, you know, got to climb up the leaderboard on a few tournaments and stuff like that. So that's my number 20 or number 30 right there. I didn't think anybody else would have anything to say on that. So I'm going to keep it with the Wii console. And one of my other favorite things to do there was Guitar Hero. Just hold on to that thought for a little bit. You got a rock band thing going on? Uh, Possibly, yes. Exactly. (laughs) Let's do it then. EP 29. Back to me for 29. This may be higher up on somebody else's list. I'm not sure, but I got Ken Griffey Jr.'s Major League Baseball. Give yourself yourself a few minute break and we'll get to it. I thought. All right. I'm assuming I'm assuming my 29 will be on a future episode as I um, did not own a Sega Genesis. So I didn't really play this game much until they started porting it onto other systems. That's Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's next episode for me. Uh, All right. So, yeah, that's really you guys didn't have Sonic. I had it I earlier. Did. It was like my I number. Was it was my number 47. Wow. I, I, me. I didn't have Sega. I didn't. Yeah, that, I, I, I played it a couple times, but not enough. You know, fair enough. All right. The hard so part for me, <laughs> Dave, you're number 29, brother. Uh, not sure if this will be on somebody else's list. It might be. It might be on Dan's, but we'll we'll see how this goes. Uh, my number twenty nine is Bioshock. 
No. Oh, man. I never played. I've, I've, that's a game I never played, but loved watching on like screens. It's so beautiful. The whole, the whole concept of this undersea city of rapture and, and the, the, the big daddies, the giant hulking lumbering, almost mech like things that are going around. You got the little, what are the little sisters finding voice recordings, piecing together what's going on. They got, it's this great shooter that is wrapped around this excellent story. It's just, I mean, it is so fun to play and it just grabs you and engrosses you in the whole, uh, everything that's going on. It's visually tremendous in every way. And it just, you, you just want to find out, okay, how in the world does this city even exist? And how did I end up here from some freaking lighthouse and, and that sort of thing? Uh, Bioshock, one of the all time great games, number 29 for me. And I guess that brings it to me for number 28, which will loop it right back to Patrick because he mentioned it just a little while ago. And it is a uh, Castlevania symphony of the night for the PlayStation one Sony PlayStation. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll defer to you on a lot of this one, Patrick. I, I don't know, but I mean, the cool thing was that they did this game, you know, the, the, the PlayStation had started to maximize or at least start, well, I don't know about maximize, but started to explore what you could do with 3d technology and symphony of the night was still pretty much 2d based and arguably the best of the Castlevania series. I know uh, Tony had mentioned Castlevania last episode, one of the variations. Uh, this one looked the best. This one, in my opinion, played the best. This one had the, the, the best story going on with the game. Uh, I love Castlevania Symphony. I know a lot of people have got this thing a lot higher, but what are your thoughts on this thing, Patrick? So for me, it, it's all of that. And it's and it's really it's an action RPG and a side scroller like that's what I love about that game is that you you had um, Alucard right who is a character that has been was introduced in previous iterations and in this version you're you're a character that kind of starts at level one. And as you progress, you you get items, you have an inventory, you have different equipment, you can get different swords, you can get different capes and armor. And as you progress, you get more. It almost had a hit point system and a magic point system to it. And as we continue to move along and the further we get up this list, you're going to see more and more RPGs out of me because RPGs are my jam. And this was Castlevania with as an RPG. And, and I... I ate that thing for breakfast, played it over and over and over again, got it on PS one, downloaded it on my PS three because it came out as a, as a set with uh, another um, traditional side scroll in Castlevania have played. I had it before I actually bought the game for the PS one. We were talking about mods. I had a modded, I had the modded version of the game that I played first before I ever actually got the game itself. Loved symphony of the night, played it repeatedly. Um, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's my favorite Castlevania game for that reason. Time for the legal disclaimer. The illegal actions of Patrick O'Dowd do not necessarily reflect on the official opinions <laughs> of the bandwagon nerds. Go ahead. Guys. Every one of us in this room has done something with modded games. Don't even act like you haven't. You, you had a very you, you had a very lawyer esque question earlier to, for uh, for our guest too. By the way, that was excellent. I wanted to mention after that question that oh, he's the lawyer. By the way, right? <laughs> don't want to scare anybody. Exactly. Don't want to scare anybody away. Right, right. So where does that put us? Is it back to me? It's back to you, yes, sir. All right. 
So I went with a series on this next one. I was talking about RPGs. This is the first RPG series in here, and it's probably it may be higher up on the list. I'm not sure. That's a Dragon Warrior series. Um, it, it did make. I'm, I'm glad you have this on your list because this is one that I regretted leaving off mine after I saw yours. So because we played the shit out of this series, but go ahead, Patrick. Well, and I wrote the series. I, I definitely played Dragon Warrior one more than anything. Um, just a, just a character on his own wandering through a world. And that was the first game that I played where if you legit walk to the wrong part of the map, thanks for playing. And it was very distinct. Like the game told you, like if you ever got any of the strategy guys and the cheat guys like that copied monstrosity, the ton you talked about on a previous episode, it would tell you when you cross a bridge, Things are things are going to be more challenging. So I'd say it in a nice way. It wouldn't be like you're effing dead, but you are effing dead if you cross the wrong bridge at the wrong time in Dragon Warrior. And I remember the first time I walked into the desecrated village in Dragon Warrior One, where I didn't know what it was. Somehow managed to avoid a random encounter and ended up walking into this village at like level two and facing like end of the game monsters. And my favorite part about that game was when you died, it, it said thou art dead and turned the screen red. And that was it. Thou art dead. My dragon warrior story is we were playing this. It was me. It was another guy. We both worked together and his house was like five minutes away from where we worked. And we would right. just work on this game one or the other of us were constantly working on this game and we'd compare notes say, okay, where, how far did you get? What did you do? Who did you fight? And we did this for probably a month or more to finally get to the end of that game and beat that thing. But man, that was one of the early introductions into RPGs and, and just how engrossing and deep that they could get. And this is pre final fantasy and that sort of thing. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it, it's a fantastic game. I, I think the sequels didn't quite measure up to the first, but they're all really excellent games. So thrilled you had that on the list, man. Uh, you, you get into the Dragon Quest games, though, and the Dragon Quest games are part of that family as well. And they're, hell, they're hella yeah. good games, too. Yep. So um, I would say, yeah, it's strong on its own. It's lower on my list. You mentioned the Final Fantasy series. Um, we will be talking about that in the future. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, it's, to me. Yeah, it's you. 28, 28 for me. I'll, I'll say it in the... Uh... In the voice of Morbo from Futurama, but it's Doom. Hold on, uh, uh, wait, wait a couple more minutes. Wait a couple oh, more minutes. Are. You might hit it this show. That's right, you might. <laughs> Very good. All right, Tony. Uh, my twenty-eight. I don't. This might be higher up on somebody else's as well. Super Mario Brothers three. It was lower on my list. It's higher on. It was mine. lower on my list. As well. It's higher okay. on mine. Higher, it's higher on Dave's. All right, let's bring it right back around, and I think. This is a game that I don't think anybody else is going to have on their list, but I think you've all have played it, especially if you've had a Nintendo Entertainment System, uh, and that's Life Force. Not on my list, but yeah, yeah. I played that game. A side scroller, you're basically in a Starfleet battleship, intergalactic world, wherever you're in caves, you're moving around. You have things you have to avoid. There's certain things you can shoot through. You know, you can get multipliers on your guns and you can do it with two people on the same screen and i know dp and i have gone back and done this game together and it's just one of my favorites from childhood i believe i had this and contra at the same time for nintendo and i would go back and forth playing each one and friends would come over and i'd be like here watch me play 
life force and see how far I can get. And now let's see how far you can get. And it was just one of those things where you could waste a few hours and, you know, drink some sodas and have some Cheetos. It was one of those games where we, uh, we had, you know, get get togethers here and we'd, we'd load it up on the Gargantua game and, and play it and tag team it. And okay, somebody take over and you go, other person goes and grabs a drink and another one can keep going or, you know, someone else, you know, jumps in as a two player and we play it. You know, it's one of those you can just keep going and going and play those. That the game is so much fun. Yeah, oh, the box. One. I remember the box art now. I had to like Google it real quick because I remember the box art being, it's got this like snake on the cover. And I was like, why is the snake on fire in space? It's uh very unique. Classic. You've never been to space. You don't know. Yeah, I haven't. It's, uh, it's true. Snakes on a plane before Samuel Jackson. Hell yeah. <laughs> Back back to me. So 27 for me is the original Legend of Zelda. For the NES? Maybe you got that one. For the NES, the original. For the Nintendo? For the Nintendo. The first one, the Legend of Zelda. Fire and Very good. All right. So the first of many Zelda Zelda games that are on my list. This one... I guess kind of started it all really. And it was first off the bat was the gold cartridge. I mean, that was cool. That was something that they never did before that. Um, So right off the bat, it made it look just special. It was one of the first games that had the, like kind of like a built in, I don't know what they call it, built in like battery or whatever, where you could save the game, you know, and that was something that they never did before that either. Remember, remember to hold reset when you turn your power off. That's right. That's right. Uh, And, that game was so ridiculously difficult because they didn't, you know, you had no, there's no guidance, you know, and back then right. there was no, you know, like Tony said, like I, when I bought, when I got my NES, my console came with that book that had all the, the strategy guides and everything. I didn't get the one with Duck Hunt, um, but it was, that kind of thing was so helpful and getting the Nintendo Power magazines and things where you could actually, you got a map. And it kind of right. helped you get around a little bit, you know, finding some of that stuff where you had to burn the right tree just to find, you know, where that level, whatever level six is. And, you know, knowing where these different things are were damn near impossible unless you just rooted around and tried to find anything or you're lucky enough to have one of those books or, you know, somewhere that can tell you at least where to go. But do you, do you remember the first time if you didn't have a book, how dead you'd be the second you walked into any of the cemeteries? Oh, impossible! Every you touch it, you touch one <laughs> you of the touch a gravestones, and... and here's ghosts all over the place, and there's no and, way to do anything to them. <laughs> and speaking and speaking of levels, where your places where you needed to touch us, you had to find the right tombstone to get to one of the labyrinths in yep. the game. That was also the one where you had World One and World Two. Like you beat the game oh. on World One, and then you jumped into World Two, and it was the same game, completely different game. Bosses all Good. jumbled up. It was crazy. Everything was in a different spot. Harder. And it was, and it was actually yeah, two times as hard. And yeah, and I remember so, like some a, of those levels, like adventure and the on steroids. Right. <laughs> the whole reason that game didn't make my list and I left it off is because I didn't play it, but my mother played it. My mom played that game. She loved it so much. And if you remember last week, I was talking about my industrial arts teacher. Um, she and him used to be the ones that would compare notes on how to beat Legend of Zelda with no books. Like they did it with like no book for the longest time. I think they eventually, like one of them eventually got a strategy guide at some point. But uh, yeah, I, 
I also remember the commercial. If you ever want to, you want to look up something that's a little weird, check out the original Legend of Zelda commercial. It's a dude in a turtleneck talking about the different creatures that are running around while he yells Zelda left and right. It's it's weird. Side side quest for you guys. Foreshadowing yes. games later on. Do you consider the use of a game guide or a walkthrough cheating? No. No. I I in particular like when it comes to I, I use game guides for secrets. I don't use game guides for the story. Like I, I will say that. Like I do want to try and play out the plot, you know, straight through without needing a strategy. I think if a game requires a strategy guide for you to win or beat, then that's that's not fair to the gamer. Like it has. Like if it's not intuitive, like you should be able to play through a game and win it without having to go to a strategy guide to make it winnable now a game with eight million side quests like a couple of the ones i'll talk later on where maybe you're you're just trying to be a completist and find everything no problems with that yeah Yeah, if i have to walk around for eight hours trying to figure out where i'm supposed to go next i'm not a fan of that like tell me where tell me where to go right (laughs) and the older i've gotten the more i've used them because it's like shit i don't have the time to do like you're saying dan let's wander around freaking Hyrule for 12 hours to figure out where the hell I'm supposed to go and what tree I'm supposed to light on fire and what I'm supposed to smoke to get this thing. So, you know, that's yeah. anyway, I was just curious. What you you, guys you have about. to smoke to get that thing. <laughs> I'm just making this I up as I this go. Place. He plays a different game. Yeah, that's... Right, right, right. So uh, we're, up, we're up to me, right? Yes, sir. And so, and it's 20, 27, 28. 27. My 27 is a is a series of games that I discovered late. Were originally on the Sega system, um, Sega Genesis, and that's Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage, which was like bad dudes except better put together, uh, is basically side scrolling, punch him in the face sort of game. You had multiple characters where they had attributes. Like you had one character that was the fast character. You had one guy who was the slow punch hard guy. And then there was that one character, like they would always have A, B and C rankings. There was one character that always had B's. They weren't good at anything in particular. They were just kind of all around in the middle. And Streets of Rage has done that. I love it so much that Streets of Rage is getting a reboot and is being released as a downloadable game on PlayStation 4 or later this week, I want to say, with updated graphics and look. And the little O'Dowd and I play the Sega Genesis version right now on the PS4 disc that I have that ports all games. We're going to probably buy it and play the new version because um, it's fun. It's a fun way to spend a, a couple hours just punching people in the face. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> That's right. what a father and such do. Yeah, exactly. Good, good father. Good lesson. Life lessons you're teaching the the young O'Dowd there, Patrick. Way to go! I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> so it's uh, to me for 27, right? Yes, sir. All right, guys. Let's talk about plastic instruments. Let's talk about games that turned all of us into rock stars. I'm assuming this isn't on Patrick's list, but I know it's on me and Dan's and Tunney's list. We'll combine them together. You guys have talked Guitar Hero. I've got the original rock band at number 27 for me. We've, we've done both. We've done both. Yep. I, yep. I always together. Yeah. I always <laughs> preferred rock band just because you got more people involved. And I, and in general, I liked 
I liked Rock Band's song list better. Uh, and I did like the stuff you could do. You could, and I still download songs for like Rock Band. I think it's like Rock Band Four or something. Like is the current version on the Xbox. But man, there was nothing like. I mean, Guitar Hero started it for sure, and, and just introduced this concept of. Uh, it was based on. I know they took the technology that the PlayStation Two did with Amplitude, and then they applied it to Guitar Hero. And then Rock Band said, "Hell, let's bring all this stuff in here." And if you've ever played Rock Band. When you've got a full band together and everybody's in unison, you will literally feel like you are really playing that song. There's no other feeling like that that I've experienced in a video game. And if you're a music lover and you can wrap yourself into this thing, and if you like to do karaoke, you say, okay, how close can I really hit Journeys Don't Stop Believing on Expert and that sort of thing. It, it is, it is a, a, an experience unlike anything that I've ever dealt with. I absolutely love the Rock Band games. I love the Guitar Hero games as well. I just prefer getting more people involved because it feels like a real a real band. I mean, you know, and I I I played in I played in bands when I was a teenager and that sort of thing. But uh, I love Rock Band. What are your guys' thoughts on all this stuff with Guitar Hero and Rock Band? I mean, you, you can almost interchange them, although not exactly. I I'm gonna go first because I feel like DP has more to say about this, especially from the technical side of it. And what I'm gonna say, he's gonna say the same thing. So can I say that? And you can add on to that. Like I played Guitar Hero separate too from DP, but like we both played that. I'm pretty sure. And I like that as a video game. I thought that was really cool on how to master a song and different things and how the different levels you could go with. Nothing like playing an actual fucking guitar, by the way. No. Nope. Uh, much motherfucking harder to play an actual guitar. Uh, <laughs> you guys ever do Rocksmith? But, Have you ever played Rocksmith? That's the game that no. we actually use a real guitar. No, I have not. That one. I have not. It's pretty good. But then, but then, so that was fun to play as more of like a video game. I thought. But then you get Rock Band, and it is it is a video game as well. But the synchronicity in which you mentioned, you know. And myself and DP and and aforementioned uh, Satchel McFlippins, we would get together and we would all have our own instrument and we would or do our thing and, and get together and we would be our group and we would create our guy. We would name our band and I would say, good night, Detroit. And it would echo, good night, Detroit. Yeah, and we, and that's where I was going to go with it, too, and playing together and, and you know, we'd get Satch on the drums and you'd be vocals and I'd be playing the guitar and, yeah, you you get all these different songs and you can download more. And it was just so fun. Cause it's, yeah, it's like you feel like you're playing in a band together and, and, you know, they had different difficulties and things like that. And, you know, even though like one person may not be as strong as the other, you can, you know, they might fall out, fall out, but you can bring them back in with your, you know, when you get the built up level and all that. And it was just, it was so fun to play those games. And I know myself, you know, solo playing guitar hero, you know, just uh, it's the whole synchronicity and, and following the pattern of, you know, timing and, and hitting the right buttons with your fingers and everything together. And you could just you jam you're jamming along with songs that you sing in the car to or, you know, you play on the jukebox at, you know, you're at the local you know watering hole or wherever you get to actually play along with them or sing along with them. And it's like it feels like it's you know more worth something than just you sitting there in the car singing along. It's just 
those were so fun when they finally when they came out with that. It was like the third Guitar Hero game. It was like Warriors of Rock or something. And that last, yeah. the last oh. set was a nightmare. And then the post credits is Dragon Force through the fire and the flames. Yeah, good luck with yes. that, man. Yeah, good yes. luck yes. with I that. Remember that specifically. When you do the yeah, you do the the battles and the devil went down to Georgia and they had the ones with Metallica and, like and the Beatles, Slayer, Raining Blood, and all that shit going yeah. on in the last. And the last set is just an absolute nightmare. But yeah, they got yeah, their devil went down to Georgia yeah, and then just let's throw so on some crazy. Dragon Force at the end just to make your fingers <laughs> absolutely bleed. Uh, great games all the way around, man. So the thing about Rock Band, Rock Band allowed you to have karaoke at parties and not feel like you had karaoke. At- parties because you could always have the one singer right well you uh, could actually like later rock bands would allow you to have background vocals as well so you could get right. more people involved but that was always a thing one of my friends would always queue up rock band for people to play rock band and it was like an excuse to do karaoke uh because you had the one person could do the league vocals and so you would rotate it that way i'm not allowed and not- I'm not allowed to be in the house when my wife sings. She makes me sit outside, even though she can sing. But she makes me sit outside so because she doesn't want me to hear her sing. But I'm like, babe, you're a pretty good singer. You but, know what to cure that? What's, a lot of alcohol. Shot of tequila. Or, or some <laughs> scotch, like Patrick. Either that or she's going to start finding some fucking keys around your house. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Drama. All right, my uh, number 26 then, coming back around. Uh, Patrick had mentioned he expected this to see this on my list. Uh, on the first countdown that we did, the first episode, or first installment, he was right. It is uh, Chrono Trigger for the Super Nintendo. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, this is, this is like the, the grandfather of the Final Fantasy games. I mean, this thing is like, it's got oh, this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Final Fantasy came first. Well, the original one. Sure. The original now. one. I, I will say that it is the father of the action RPG. True. Right. And it also introduced weird stuff like like Morgan was talking about that one game with 26 endings. Chrono Trigger yep. had a lot of different endings to it. It sure did. And they also kind of really perfected the whole concept of side quests. You know, they really expanded upon that. And you're like branching off in a bunch of different directions. It, it is one of the quintessential JRPG experiences you can have out there great story great action it, like you're saying patrick an action rpg they really defined a genre right. with this thing uh chrono yes. trigger i i love the game i think they didn't have a sequel they had a sequel to this well thing. there was well there's chrono cross which is basically which is good chrono too trigger. um the secret of mana sometimes gets looped in there because it was the precursor i want to say to chrono trigger like Dan secret of mana that was on my list secret right. of mana right and and it was an interesting sort of hybrid between it was it's like this bridge game from an action RPG to, you know, and a, and a turn based RPG because there was still an element of taking turns. Um, and yet you could like it was one of the first games where really, if you didn't want to fight an enemy um, like a random enemy, you could wait it out or avoid it, much like the secret of mana. Um, the story in that game is just terrific. Like the storytelling in that game and and. Really, that's what makes a good RPG of any sort, in my opinion, is a good story. Was good this, story. Was this on your list, Patrick? It was not. Okay. Uh, because I play, and I mean, I played it. I played it through to one 
or two innings. I can't remember how many, but it just never, it just never held me the way others did uh, and didn't immerse me the way others. I am very much an old school traditionalist when it comes to RPGs. Um, Like I love my turn-based RPGs. I'm a boring gamer when it comes to that sort of thing, but we already know they're Dan's favorite. (laughs) Right. And Chrono and yeah, right. And Chrono Trigger (laughs) was fun. It was a lot of fun. All I know is that I, I always wanted, and I can't remember the guy's name. I just wanted the dude with the scythe. Give me the guy with the scythe because he wields too. a fucking scythe. Like, how cool is that? He wields a scythe. Awesome. Did that bring it to me? To you, sir. Yes. All right. So mine, um, I went PC games for this one, uh, and that was uh, the Diablo series, Diablo 1 and 2. I got, I got nice. one of them a little <clears throat> higher up, like next episode higher up. Next, well, we can hold we can hold on Diablo until next episode. That's fine. Perfect. And we can we could probably skip mine since Big Dave has not mentioned this game yet. I'm sure it's very much higher on his list. For mine, number twenty six was Halo Two. No, Halo uh, Two is Halo Two is not. Halo Two. Okay. So I had Halo right. Two thirty nine. Yeah, you had you had Halo at thirty nine. I've got the original okay. Halo Combat Evolved way higher. But I don't. Okay. We, can talk, we can talk. We can talk Halo Two or table it till we can talk the whole series. Let's do that. Let's talk the whole series. Right. I mean, it's on my list too. Right under. Whoa! That's because you weren't good at it. Neither, Ouch, kabibbles. <laughs> pretty much. Neither was I. But I mean, it was still. Anyway, we, we'll talk when we get to that. Fuck that game. <laughs> you might not like it, but it was a good game. I'm sure it is. <laughs> So is it to me now? You're 26. 26. All right. Let's talk some Super Nintendo Entertainment System and a little Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. One of my favorite baseball video games of all time. In fact, when it was out that year, I went and grabbed uh, box scores for a week from the newspaper. And I went ahead and sat down in the basement, had myself a cola and some cheese puffs. And I put every single player into the game with their real name. Yep. And I played a full season like that. And it was fucking awesome. It was so fun. And it was like one of the only times where you had this game that you really loved to play and you got all these names in it. And and it was so cool. You could play a full season. You had the all-star game. You went through the playoffs. It It was my favorite baseball game ever. You played, I assume you played as the Brewers, right? He played it as of course. Of okay. course. Very good. Henson was in center field, baby. We had uh, Craig Vaughn. Yep. Everybody Carol was in there. Atlas Stash. That's right. That's right. We did the same thing, my brother and I, playing that game. We had every every player. We went in there and put in all their names, everything. We even came up with, we printed out sheets with of, of box scores so we could keep track of our games. So we could compare with each other because we played a full season and he would play some games and I would play some games whenever we had time and things like yeah, that. Splits. You kept track of the splits because it kept your average. So you guys kept track yeah. of the splits on Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball right. for fucking Super Nintendo. Yes, folks, this is the bandwagon nerds. <laughs> oh, you That's guys, how bad it got. You guys they are speaking splits, my Dave. language. I, I, they kept splits. Dude, see, you guys get me. You guys understand, like, I on WWE, <laughs> I, on the universe mode, man, I'll actually, like, list all these guys out on a piece of paper and just randomly throw them into, like, the shows. And people like my wife, and, and they look at me like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, you don't get it. 
but you guys do because we all did the same shit when we were younger. Wait till we get to Madden football and see my sickness. <laughs> Boy. Uh, it was, I mean, yeah. I, I think we've all got our story. I've got, I've got one too. We're all sick. Oh yeah. For, we're for all a different sick. game. But yeah. But this was the first time, like as, as an adolescent, you know, in that time frame of not quite being, you know, even a established teenager, you're sitting here playing this game and you put all these names in and it was a great game. So I think we've, talked enough about that i'll go ahead and keep the show rolling and i'll come back with something i guarantee you i will i will i'll put up 10 i'll give 10 to 1 odds if anybody else has this game on there whatever you want to bet any takers no no not a chance worms anybody play worms yes i remember that played it for sure love worms and satchel mcflippin's aforementioned we would go by his house and we would just have a game of worms. And it was so fun because you could name your worms and they had different positions. And I would always name them all WWE characters. And then you go ahead and play and I'm like, ah, oh, fucking Austin's gone. All, all I have left is uh, very, very Horowitz. Damn it. You know, so, but it was a fun game. It was a really cool game. And, and they had a lot of different features for it. They had different uh bombs and different ways you could launch your worm and things of that nature and a whole bunch of different worlds dp i know you played that too oh yeah you can move guys around you had all the different types of weapons every level was you know constructed a little differently so you had to get you had to be good at you know understanding the geometry and angles and how strong you want to fire weapons and my favorite of that one was the holy hand grenade that they had in there for monty python and we throw the holy hand grenade it would stop for a second and then you hear the ah, boom destroy like everything within the radius it was so much fun <laughs> go ahead dp why don't you uh 25 oh, back to me 25 25 for me is sticking in the super nintendo era and that was the original super mario kart i got that higher like next episode right. higher yep me too okay there you go uh not me oh sorry um <laughs> uh, how many of those okay, so- have you had now <laughs> I've had a couple. Just shut up, man. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know me. I know my body. Anyway, um, I stuck around in the land of PCs for actually my next three as I'm looking over this list again for the first time since I wrote it. Um, And this might be higher up on other people's lists. Uh, I chose a specific game out of this series, though. I chose Command and Conquer Red Alert. Not on lists. Awesome. Any World of Warcraft fellas over here? Yes. So so before World of Warcraft, there was Command and Conquer. And within Command and Conquer, they uh, the concept was pretty simple. You, you built a base uh, and you protected it and or completed some sort of mission. And there was always, uh, you know, good guys and bad guys. And depending on which faction you joined, you would have different weaponry available to you. And in Command and Conquer Red Alert... It actually creates an alternate universe wherein Albert Einstein invents a time machine, goes back in time, and kills Adolf Hitler. So World War II never happened. But Joseph Stalin rises to power as the World War II enemy um, in, in, in in this universe. And so you can choose to either be a part of the Soviet Union or a member of the Allies. And the game itself tells a story where you you choose one or the other and you try to conquer a map, um, whether you're Russia or the allies to, to world dominance. Now 
the Russians had way cooler weapons. They had like fighter jets. They had Tesla coils that would like zap troops, like giant Tesla coils that would zap troops. You would build tanks and you would have to like mine for money to build stuff. But uh, the tanks, the Russian tanks, were like these double gun monstrosity tanks. They took longer to build, but they wiped shit out. It was awesome. But the reason this game makes my list is not because of the storytelling play. It was the first online game that I played against my friends in college where you would jump onto a network, everybody would get a different part of the map, and you couldn't see the map or where people were. You just started building your stuff, and then you started sending folks out to try and attack everybody else and be the last man standing on the map. And I, so many hours wasted playing that game at home, at school, all over the place. Love Command & Conquer Red Alert. Another game that I downloaded out of the PlayStation Network because it was released for PlayStation 1 or 2 uh, and is now a part of my uh, collection on PlayStation 3 because that's where that game carried over. Yeah, I, I think I played that a few times. It's a, it's an excellent game. Awesome. Right, terrific. Fun uh, cinematic scenes, it's good stuff. Yes, definitely. Um, so we're at my 25, right? Yes. Correct. My number 25 is Red Dead Redemption. I don't know if that's higher on anybody else's list. That's uh, higher on Dan's list. The first one or the second one? I got the first I one. Got them, I got them paired together Let, in the right. last episode. Let's wait until then. Because I, I don't have the first one on my list. You got the new one. Well, we can talk I have about the second one. We'll talk about all of them when we get to Tony. Wait, wait. You got the first one and you got the second one? I got the first one. Dan's got the you second got the first one. one. Second. And you got both oh, of them. Oh, and Tony. I. And I have them both of them paired together. Perfect. It works. See how well that worked? I'll just uh, move this on. Is, this, is I, uh, only through, this is only through chapter three of the second one. I uh, I, I never played Red Dead Redemption. Oh, dude. You oh, this is the end like, of Bandwagon Patrick, Nerds. Patrick, 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 I think, really, Patrick, I think you would enjoy it. You would. I think I, think I would, too. This is, see, this is you, you got to find the time to do it, though. Oh, especially right. the second one. Well, it's not just having the time. Like, this is a real thing for any, I think, for anybody who has kids. Like, I just don't want, like, there's certain games I'd rather not play around my child. I get that. Well, it's funny because I read somewhere, I forget where, the other day, they were talking about Red Dead Redemption, and they and they likened it to the Western world on Westworld, Patrick. That right. Show that you, yeah. It's very much like that, suppose, you know. Oh, I, totally. I, I see I, it. The idea behind the game all about it would very much like to play these games yeah rockstar kid friendly don't generally go together so well <laughs> so, uh my number 24 it's been mentioned several times i don't know if it's still higher on somebody else's list on this episode but it's doom for the pc it's higher on tunnies all right uh back to you patrick for, for number PC 24 is higher on pcs list how do you like uh, there you go so the last PC game in this little trilogy that I have here, uh, we talked about my love of Dungeons and Dragons earlier. Baldur's Gate um, was a was an RPG was uh, adapted with the I think it was the third edition Dungeons and Dragons rules, and just it was it takes it takes place in the Forgotten Realms fantasy world, which is a uh, a novelization setting, a D and D world setting. Uh, has a lot of characters and stuff that I used to love and play, but it was 
at the time it was the second closest you could get to playing an actual D&D game like computerized version of D&D uh, on the PC uh, with like without a, a dungeon master you built on an adventure you made a couple of characters you could add characters on um, was another very unforgiving game like if you made the wrong call you would pay for it in a bad way um, but love that game very very fun one of the hardest final boss fights I've ever played I know. I remember Baldur's Gate Two was my the one that I would. The Baldur's Shadows, Gate Two, Shadows of Amun yeah. or something like that. I think that's Baldur's Gate Two is is um a more fair game. <laughs> I e <laughs> easier, <I>. easier, but <laughs> go ahead, more Tony. Fair. <laughs> it's no, nope, I'll go first. I'll step in front of that one. <laughs> Number twenty four for me is the FIFA soccer series that's what i figured pc was going to have it higher since he did not mention it yet uh my 24 is the teenage mutant ninja turtles game for the super nintendo was that turtles in time yeah, yeah that, well i think oh, one no. of them that was uh, i think that was the one it was the one that was really arcadey and i loved it i know i rented it from blockbuster a few times it was Good in that night. fifth sixth grade fifth or sixth grade range and me and my stepbrother we would stay up till one two in the morning yeah it was a port of the arcade game it was so fun it it was just it was it was just a great super nintendo game that i that i logged a lot of time on and you could play with two people i think you could even play with four if you had the adapter to put four controllers into the super nintendo i'm pretty sure that was a thing and but it was just me and him and we would always have a blast um he loved michelangelo so i'd grab donatello with the with the staff and we were unstoppable that was just like the arcade yeah that was basically the port of the arcade game which we i know we talked about was on my list for the arcade it was just so yeah. much fun it was I it was in my first 10 too i think i talked about it in the first 10 of this too but back before we'd established kind of the like wait and see rules uh that happened like halfway through the first go around of the list like around 45 that's when we started being like yeah we'll just wait it was just a fun game you know oh, i know home. we did the arcade thing but for me i had to put it in there i had to put it up a little higher just because of the time i spent with it and just being able to play with somebody else and going like i think in general like we all kind of agree on this where if you have a good friend or like a sibling or someone that you connect with and you can play together and accomplish the goal together it's it's just so much more rewarding when you do it with somebody else you know uh regardless of what's going on apparently <laughs> Jump kick for the win. There you go. All right, I'll bring it back around. Uh, Twenty-three. We're getting there. We're getting close, guys. We're we're in the we're, we're getting close to the top twenty. Next week's going to be very interesting. Uh, my twenty-three. A little bit all left field here. Mine is track and field for the Nintendo Entertainment System uh, with oh, the power no. pa- with the power pad where you would jump yeah. up and down. And I had so much fun because when I grew up, I I had like neighbors that and the kids around the neighborhood together and one of the neighbors we could go down the road and to the right and we'd get together and there was four of us and we would just we would have fun on the power pad together you'd jump on and who could run faster and hurdles and stop and go and hurdle and stop and go and then you're just pounding down as fast as you can you're, you're we're literally you know working up a sweat playing that game i had so much fun i think it's adorable that you actually used your feet to play that game like ever. You didn't, you, well, when you got tired, you'd have to put your hands down on it. <laughs> I, I never even did. You'd unplug it and put did, the controller we, in. <laughs> we, did, we just started 
just pounding away on the mat. Like we were setting world <laughs> records right off the bat. Like no, none of this, none of this trying to be physically active while playing. When he, he brought up track and field, I thought he was going to talk about the original Konami one where, and I used to set that dude up with, uh, with the Ness advantage because you had to hit the A button as fast as you can. And I remember you could throw a javelin in like 300 feet or whatever. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yep. You hold the A button down, the yep. turbo, and then press B right at the line. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> I your, did, triple, I, your triple jump was dope. I did the same thing. I had the NES Advantage uh, power pad. and uh, Well, the NES, I had the Advantage controller, but I had the power pad as well. And I remember playing that game. And yeah, I did the running, but you had to like, you had to really tap your feet. You couldn't do a whole like sprint. You just, you picked your feet up barely and tried to tap and run to try yeah, and outrun all these guys. Then you get like the you super speed. On your feet, yeah. yeah. You're like the flash. And you I remember you're into, like, was it Cheetah? Wasn't there a guy that like literally Bob changed Cheetah? Cheetah. Yeah. Right. We're like the last two. And that was, you know, yeah, he's going to change shirts now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to come yeah, back shirtless. He's coming back shirtless. that's that's all right you got your 23 you can you can just go into your 23 we don't need to talk about tony with no shirt well we might have to because i think he has my number 23 higher on his list i'll bet since he didn't mention this as well either so i don't know i don't know should i go all right uh yeah well let's yeah say something well i I can talk more about the power pad power did anybody do anything other than the sprinting and the hurdles on the power pad game. Yep, there it is. We know. There was uh, there was one other game I remember playing for it, but I, I I can't remember what it was called, but it was all this stuff you had to do on like the beach, and I remember having to like crab walk and you had to have two feet on one one foot on one end of it and the other one on the other, because it was kind of like laid out like uh like twister, you know, and you had to be on the two pat two buttons and you had to like crab walk. I remember doing that, but I can't the, the, couldn't the tell weirdness, you what the name of the game. The weirdness of Nintendo and their intense desire to have weird video game playing experiences where they would make like one special con- one game for a particular type of controller and that would like one or two and that would be kind of it. Like the power glove, the super the power pad, the super scope, the gun, the damn robot, all of those. Listen, I played the fishing game all the time for PlayStation. Me and DP did. Uh, you get the controller with it and go out there and try and catch. You got it hooked up over there? I still got it over here. Oh, jeez. Is that mine now, or is that yours? Now, now I'm demanding oh, you go yours. to your 23rd day. So <laughs> we get the PC to, to skip it. DP and I don't even know if DP and I don't even know whose gaming equipment is each who's at each house. That's how sick it is. <laughs> 23. 23 for me, PC Tony. I think you got it higher. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. That's what I thought. <laughs> All right. I'm assuming I, I'm going to go my 23 as well. I, I would hope it's higher on people's list. Um, but for me, it was lower because I only played this version of the game. That's Super Street Fighter 2 um, on the Super Nintendo. I'm glad you have it. I played None that too you, as well. I don't have it on my list, but uh, that was a really good so, game. That was a really so fun game. So Super Street Fighter 2 was the one, it was like the third iteration that came out for the Super Nintendo. There was Street Fighter 2, there was Street Fighter 2 Turbo, which allowed you to play as the four boss characters. Super Street Fighter 2 was the one that added DJ, Tomahawk, Cammy, and Feelong. And Feelong was a Bruce Lee knockoff that was the fastest, most ridiculous character. People, it, it was, it was, we talk about games being unfair. If you actually wanted to say you beat that game, you couldn't say you beat it as Philong because he was too. The game was too easy because he was so fat. You couldn't hit him. 
You couldn't hit him. Um, played that played game. Michael, played Michael Vick in Madden. Exactly. He was so <laughs> fast. He would jump over. And, you know, when you had fast characters, there were three characters in the game that were fast enough that they could jump up and, like, grab the side of the screen. It was him, Cammy, or no, him, Chun-Li, and uh, Vega were the three that could, like, jump up, grab on the screen, and land down. But, uh, yeah, I just, I played that game for hours upon hours, loved the different characters, played, I beat the game as every single one of them. Um, and Street Fighter 2, you know, before Mortal Kombat came around and just completely altered the history of fighting games, Street Fighter and Super Street Fighter, those were the, that was it. That was the fighting game of its generation. Yeah, they're good games. I had Street Fighter 4 lower on my list, but Street Fighter Super Street Fighter 2 was, yeah, that's another excellent one. All right. Uh, I guess to me for number 20, <laughs> for number 23 uh, is a game called Portal 2. I don't know if that's higher on anybody's list. Yep. All right, Dan. Higher. <laughs> higher. Turn, turn the quarter, Dave. 2022, I, I'm not sure if we've talked about, I know we talked about one of the games earlier. I think it might be higher on your list, Patrick, as far as the series go. But it's a metal metal gear solid for the PlayStation, the Sony PlayStation. Higher on yours. All right. right. Back to you. Uh we're skipping me because my next one is Mike Tyson's punch out. Yeah, that we know that's higher. <laughs> DP. DP, twenty-two, my favorite number. We're hitting Legend of Zelda again. This one is Legend of Zelda Wind Waker for the GameCube. I don't, have that, don't have that one. Dave. Uh, this one was kind of strayed from the genre a little bit in the style because it was it was made a little more cartoony. Was this the one? Was this the one right? Was this the one right after Ocarina? This was no. This was after Majora's Mask. So it was Majora's, the first one for the Majora, GameCube. Was where was Majora's fall in there? Ocarina was in before between. Majora's, right? Ocarina, Ocarina was first. Majora's Mask second, and then. Wind Waker third. So it was twice. Game. It was twice after Ocarina. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Didn't mean to dumb the show down. No, I mean, my this is a great game. I remember this one, but it just I didn't yeah. have this particular just, one. <clears throat> it, it took all that. It took the elements that that Ocarina started, you know, and then they they continued with Majora's Mask, and then they they used it here in Wind Waker with the being able to lock on enemies and all that kind of stuff that they started introducing. But change the formula a bit with going, you know, more of a animated cartoon look to it, which was definitely very different for the Zelda series. But they did an amazing job with it, and it, it worked so well with that one. It was a, a, a few ones where Ganon wasn't your, you know, final boss. It was, you know, they, they introduced this whole element of, you know, going out on the boat and traveling through the through the waters to different islands and to find different things and you could you know you'd have to go out in the water and actually you know drop lines and like kind of fish type of thing to find treasure chests that were under the water and this was another one where stupid you know, fishing games <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. it even came with this controller that you could hey, put on there stop, you could... how many you've been able to fish for a bunch of zelda games but that's the thing that's hilarious that's right. is how many games are out there where there's a fishing fucking mini game as part <laughs> of the damn why talk about red dead redemption mini games right yeah anyway sorry but we're gonna <laughs> we're we're gonna get to nba 2k at some point on these lists and that we're has fucking mini, mini game. Game. no it has a disc <laughs> golf mini game it has a disc golf mini game why but why though 
Okay. We'll get there. We'll sorry, get there. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, we'll Dad. We'll get there. A little teaser. A little mini game teaser. Did me to mini take teaser. you down that rabbit hole. Uh, little mini teaser. This was still one of those games where you needed, uh, you needed a map. You needed something because they didn't really give you one. And I remember still at that point, it was not really much going online and finding things as easy. And I remember taking pieces of paper and drawing out the map as I went to different sections of the water and found different islands, marking it down of what was there because you always had to go back to it because you either it was locked at the time or you didn't have the right, you know, accessory or whatever yet. So you couldn't do it. And you had to map all this stuff out and remember where it was because it was just so difficult to navigate around and, you know, just remembering where you were was difficult, especially, and that was, you know, a lot of Zelda games were like that, but this was one of them. It's a great game. And on that note, with the dogs barking in the background, Tony, why don't you turn the corner for us and wrap this uh, this 10 up, okay? All right. 22 for me is Doom. Uh, I, I, played it, I played it on the PC mainly, and the biggest things I remember are the <laughs> enormous amount of different types of guns you could accumulate and the massive amounts of things they could do. And the cheat codes that you could play. So and many could, cheat codes. And you could walk through fucking walls. And it was great. And the hell if I wasn't going to play this game without cheat codes. Because it was really fucking cool. Uh, when I was growing up, my stepmom was actually a website developer. So, like, we had a really fast computer. And one of the games I was allowed to put on there and play was Doom. I don't know why, but I was. And uh, I got to play Doom on a pretty cool computer and learn the different functions for it. And check out the cheat codes. And that's really rare for me for that type of game that I actually played that at that time. I think DP's pretty uh, surprised. I don't think he knew that, but I did play a lot of doom and I thought it was spectacular. It was one of those that I played, you know, being like you guys had Wolfenstein as well, kind of lower on your list. You know, this was the first first person shooter game that I really ever played. And, you know, it was in the same vein as Wolfenstein, you know, the same crazy characters. You would have your little picture of your face at the bottom of the screen that you see get bloodier as you, you know, take on damage. And it was just so cool and so different than anything you played at the time. And, yeah, first game on the PC that I played and, you know, being able to shoot bad guys and have all these different characters that you could shoot and kill. And, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, one of the first ones where, I was allowed to do something like that and, you know, rather than just a, you know, Legend of Zelda or double dribble game or whatever, this was got a little violent and it was, it was definitely very different and changed, changed the way games are played. The BFG, the big fucking gun, man. <laughs> that was the best part of this thing. And all the crazy monsters, all the crazy creatures and and the cheat codes. of course. So many aliens and monsters, right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. You would think it was I mean, like an outer space or something. Oh, wait. There's right. an elevator and oh shit, here come a fucking billion little alien bugs it's fucking right up your asshole. I, anytime I hear this series mentioned, I only think of two words. You you talked about codes. I think of two words. God mode. Like God mode was yep. was was at some point if you just wanted to blow stuff up, you clicked it on God mode and you went to town. And they got to so think about fun. And then they had to make that damn movie with The Rock and fuck the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> which, was, which was okay. It was an okay movie until they decided, hey, let's go into first person mode. And it's like, what the hell is this? And it was all downhill hey, from there. I mean, a tribute to the game, man. Come on now. 
a nod to the original. And it wasn't the only place to do that. That terrible House of the Dead movie did the exact yes, same thing. Yes, it did. You <laughs> bull. Just ruined don't do so it. many things. Don't do it. Anyway. All right. Tony, lead us on the home stretch, big man. Here we go. Last before the top 20 right here on Bandwagon Nerds. My number 21 is is likely not going to get talked about today. Mine is uh, linked to the past. That's kind of what I thought. <laughs> Go ahead, DP. You're 21. Well, I'll stick with a Zelda game if that works for you at least. Because oh, no, it's another that's one on the list. Because that's because that was my favorite week. series. Yeah, it's next week. Go ahead. Majora's Mask. Oh yeah, go ahead then. Yeah, not yet. Ocarina of Time's coming later. <laughs> this is Majora's Mask. It's very. I mean, if you play it Ocarina of Time, you you know Majora's Mask as well. It was it was more or less control wise and design wise and play style was exactly the same. Just a whole new story, a, a different you know different story again. One where Ganon wasn't the final boss in this one, which was very cool. When they did something like that, it was always you know. Made it a little different. This one had basically the earth was, you know, going to get crushed by this giant like death moon thing that was coming down. And ultimately you had three days before that thing was going to come crashing down. Um, but you had the, I don't know what they called it or whatever. You could go back in time basically. So you could kind of reset the time. But what you did in between these different things would change what happens in the story when you go backwards. So you had to, you know, figure out how to make things change differently so that when you go back, you know, you could get on to the next thing or, you know, stop this from happening, which was really cool. And they came up with all these different masks that you could get and you acquire over time that all basically gave you different powers and things like that. And something they never did in a, in a Zelda game before that, which was very innovative, very different. It gave it a different feel um, rather than just the different magic things you could have. But this one, was really awesome, and you could this if you ever look at the you know, obviously at the time the graphics were as good as they were going to get, but if you you know Google it and you look at this you know giant moon with this awful ugly ass face, and as every day passed, the moon would get closer and closer, and it was just like kind of that terrifying look when you would you know look up at the top of the you know look up above you and you could see this thing coming down. It was kind of a a scary feel to it, um, but yeah, again. Legend of Zelda, my favorite series. So there's a lot of them on my list. Okay, my 21 is is a sports game. PlayStation 3 NCAA Basketball 2010 from EA Sports was the last NCAA Basketball game made by EA Sports. Um, that series infamous for being sued by uh, what's his name from UCLA? I can't remember his name uh, off the top of my head, but led to kind of it led to a lot of the discontinuation of NCAA titles because of player likenesses. As it was, I love this game. You talked about, you know, doing your splits and your stat sheets and your tracking. For me, this is this is one of the ones where I do that because it's, it's all about recruiting. Uh and we're gonna talk about this later when I talk about another one of my top games. But plotting out my dynasty to to continue to build my program was almost more important than the seasons itself a lot of times. And the thing I loved about this game and its dynasty mode that was unique to some of the others is you would be given an allotment of recruiting points 
that you would be able to spend to do different things with recruits. And depending on where they were in the country in relation to your university or if they were a pipeline state, you it would cost more to do certain things. So if I wanted to go see – if I was the University of Illinois coach and I wanted to go see a local kid, it might cost me 10 of my points. But if I were going to go to, say, a kid in California, it might cost me 50. And so like you had to really work – to like balance those points with talent. Uh, plus you had an athletic director who gives you goals. Uh, you would receive opportunities to violate NCAA rules with recruiting violations. Like you would get a, you would get an email <laughs> from like a, you get an email from somebody. Cut them like, corners. <laughs> Cut them corners. And, and I appreciate it. It's like you would get an email that would be like from PC Tunney's father. Yo, yeah. if you want, we if want you some bank, me, bitch. If you want, yeah, to it'd be like you give me you get me free tickets for an entire season or for something or other, and I need a car. I can guarantee you, PC Tony's going to play for you, and you can choose to do it or not. And you can, if you push that envelope too often, you'd get sanctioned and you'd lose scholarships and you could get fired. And it was, it's like this whole other side element to the game. And then it was the only game that I've ever come across that gave you multiple options for your play by play guys. You could either have Brad Nessler and Dick Vitale do your play-by-play or um, Gus Johnson and Bill Raftery um, was the other option. And you can do it to where it'll play it randomly, but you could also just be like, I only want to hear Gus Johnson. Uh, And so I I don't know. I love it. I still have it upstairs um, on my PlayStation 3. Blake Griffin is the cover cover guy. And uh, I don't know. University of Illinois is the greatest basketball program in the history of ever, according <clears throat> to my PlayStation 3 dynasty. <laughs> I'm glad you finished that sentence. Didn't the series used to be called March Madness for a while? It was. Yeah, yes. That's right. I remember playing it back then. It, they were good games. Some of the EA basketball Indeed. games were quite good. All right. I guess I'm bringing it home for real this time, right? All right. For real. I, I got it right. Uh, my number 21 is the... Oh, it's on my list higher. Don't <laughs> even say it. <laughs> I don't know if this one's going to be on anybody. It might be. We'll see. But it is the the mecca of all MMORPGs, and it's World of Warcraft. Patrick mentioned it earlier, although I think he was thinking StarCraft. I mean, me. I mean, well, StarCraft in the original Warcraft, not World of Warcraft. Right. My bad. Right. So Warcraft. Yeah. I had Warcraft. I had Warcraft out at my lower on my list. The original. Right. 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 Uh, World That's of Warcraft. What I meant. You're World right. of Warcraft came out in 2005. I think, and 15 years later, it is still going strong. They keep bringing out expansions. People are still playing the shit out of this game. Uh, It's, man, you can totally get lost in this game. You can solo it as for great stretches of it. It's one you definitely need a guide to figure out where the hell am I? Where am I going? What's next on this quest? I've got 10 quests that are active all at the same time. Who do I go after next? What do I do next? You can set up programs to run in-game guides that'll kind of like give you waypoints and say well here's where you probably want to go to get this uh, there's so much to do their people are die hard i mean as die hard it's like republican democrat alliance horde you know if you're on the alliance you're thinking one way if you're on the horde you're thinking another way i've been to a few blizzcons which are the blizzard conventions where it's basically world of warcraft diablo and starcraft until i think until blizzard came out with overwatch or something like that and, man, those conventions were crazy. You'd have people just dressed up cosplaying, l- looking like the Horde, 
And then you've got the Alliance people. They did not see eye to eye on very many things. That's for damn sure. There's so much to do in this game. It, it, it never ends. And there's always something new around the corner. They're always kind of, and you would think by now they would do World of Warcraft too, but they haven't. They just add a new expansion. We're going to bounce the level cap up five more levels, add on a new land explorer. Oh, well, let's introduce this race of pandas. Let's introduce this. Uh, you got to give it to Blizzard. They're so creative with what they've done with this. To keep a game relevant and fresh for 15 years, it's unheard of. It's uh, by far, I mean, EverQuest started the whole thing, but nobody in the MMO industry has done it like World of Warcraft. It's simply fantastic experience, and I'm not a big MMO player, but this is the one that I make an exception for, number 21 on my list. Well, you know you know, a genre and a game has made it if South Park makes fun of it. And uh, the South Park episode, I don't know if it's making fun of EverQuest or if it's making fun of World of Warcraft, but if, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. And basically the kids have their own little like World of Warcraft guys that they've been building up, working so hard, and they're trying to complete this quest. And some random dude who has no life, like comes in with his maxed out character and destroys them all in like seconds. Yep. And the and the kids make it their mission to try and take this guy down. Um and until they eventually become the dude. And he's a he's a stereotype and it's a mockery of those people. He might be in a basement. Not saying that that's something that happens on this show, but there might be some relatable connections there. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, you. but, but uh, it's very accurate. I mean, you'll be in, in, in some town or some village or someplace just trying to mind your own business and work on your quest. And then some massive raid comes in from these maxed out 10 characters, levels everything. And when you die in that game, it's a bitch because then you've got to take your soul and find your body. It's like some other game that uh, we were talking about. I forget which one it was, but Dark Souls. Dark Souls. Yeah, this is one you got to find your body. And sometimes that's not always that easy to find. Where the hell did you die? Uh, it's it's And it's very and can frustrating. can other people loot your body before you get to it? No, I don't think they can. I don't know if they can loot your body or not. But I, I, I think that there, would, there are some characters that can because there's eight or nine, ten different races that you can right. turn yourself into. So some of them are undead and can fuck with you even in, in the afterlife and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I don't doubt that right. South Park made fun of it. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a good episode, too. I liked it. It's one of the best. So. All right. Well, that'll do it for 30 through 21, fellas. Well done. We enter the top 20 next week. How Woo-hoo. excited are all of you? You're excited. excited. Feel these we're, nipples. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> we're getting we're getting to a couple of culminations here, too. We're going to end the video game project on the same episode that we end Lock and Key. That's that's a that's quite an episode a couple a couple of ways away. So that'll be almost that's thrilling. Think, I'm excited. You'd almost think we planned that or something, and, which, which we and didn't. Yet, which and yet we did not. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Start I'm not going to take care of that. spreading the news. Okay. We had almost gotten through an episode without PC Tunny Karaoke. Too bad. And we talked to Rock Band, and we didn't get him singing until oh, now. Oh, it's true. That's true. That's true. But. I'm here to stay. <laughs> he's here to stay, but he's also going to tell you where to find himself on social media as we wrap this show up. Tunny, take it away. I'll be nice and stop singing. You can find me at PC Tunny. Um, yeah, you can find me all over the churchette.com as well. DP? All over the worldwide social media interwebs. And it's me, DPP. 
You can find me at, at Attitude AGG. Tunny's got a new handle after today. It's at Shirtless PC. So that would be a, a, a good nice. one to have. <laughs> Send the hate tweets to that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, feel the hair. And you can follow me at Wrestling Realist at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Before we say goodbye, fellas, I did want to acknowledge that an anniversary. Um, one year ago today, the Avengers assembled, um, and we all watched Avengers Endgame a- in the theaters. Or at least I'm assuming we all caught it at the theaters. Is that correct, fellas? Sir. About four times. Except, who's except for, t- except who's for Tony. Tony's apparently, you know... He he's he is a bandwagoner. He he has admitted that on the show. So he's he's a late to the party nerd. I guess we'll let that we'll let that slide. But I gotta I gotta tell you before before we walk away on this, and the reason I wanted to talk about this is this is one of two movie theater experiences I can I can share where the the reaction from the audience and from myself was was very sort of emotional and moving. Um the first one was the Lord of the Rings Return of the King when the Rohirrim arrived to charge down the hill to liberate Gondor or to help with liberating Gondor. The second is Avengers Endgame. That that movie and that moment and that scene was such a culmination of so many things that are important to me in terms of who I am as far as characters I related to things that I grew up on things that I loved as a child and and to see that on a screen and legitimized by a mainstream public audience was just huge to me. And, And it's right now, like it's just kind of an unfortunate reminder of what we can't do, um, in terms of being able to go to the theater, but the, the community that went to that movie and and the experience and i i'd I'd love to hear from you guys but it was like but you know there's a lot of videos that are going around with people you know cheering and celebrating during that premiere night i went to a theater that was very much like that and just felt like such a bigger part of a community um that i felt like it was worth talking about because without that movie we probably don't have this show right dave yeah i i agree i think that it had such a big influence on rick who God love him and he's not here, but it had such a big influence on him where he started to really question. He's not dead, by the way. He's not dead. (laughs) He's not dead. He's not dead. Uh, But, you know, he started, that's when he started asking you and I certain questions about Marvel, about the MCU. And I think Endgame really culminated that. And, and, and just, I mean, I went to see the movie four times because in the theaters, because it just is so awesome. And the moment you're talking about, you know, where they never, you know, you got that thing at the end where they just never, for the entirety of the series, you never heard Avengers Assemble. They teased it once and it never happened. And then they finally went through with it. And yeah, I was in a theater that went ballistically crazy as well. So I I would agree without Endgame, I I don't think this show exists. Sure. We want to talk about you know, good experiences and, and fun experiences at movie theaters. I will uh, reference, and we mentioned South Park just a little earlier, or reference PC Tunney when we went to see the South Park movie, and PC Tunney got the entire audience to clap along to Kyle's Mom's a Bitch. <laughs> Very nice. It's always good to be a part of something. 
This is true. Tony, Tony is singing the song, but he has muted his mic. He has muted there go. We cannot hear him singing, it, singing the show, but we can see him on the camera. So, yeah, I, and this is the thing, like when I think about things that I miss as we're all in these stay-at-homes, this is the sort of thing that I, that I think is really what this show kind of speaks to, is that these are communities of people. These are shared experiences. These are shared loves, whether it's South Park, whether it's Marvel, Star Wars, even though the rise of Skywalker is trash, it's still a community and people love it. Uh, Lord of the Rings, any of those. Hunger Games, if that's your jam, Twilight, Harry Potter, you name it, we appreciate it. And, you know, one year ago today, a lot of folks, and I would w- be willing to wager a lot of our listeners, were, were doing the same thing and we're seeing this movie. And so, happy anniversary, one year Avengers Endgame. And that's where we're going to leave it. I want to send out one more thank you into the world to Morgan Fryer McCulloch from Sony for giving us some time to interview. You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds. Now climb out of the basement and watch some movies. Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.